The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. What's up, man? Ralph Barboza on the way up. What's happening? Hey, it's good to be here. <laughs> good to have you, man. I hear good things about you. I was just talking to Brian Simpson about you today. Oh, I'm a huge Brian Simpson fan. I love that dude. That we were working dope. out today, and he was just saying great things about you. No offense to Brian Simpson, but he works out. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never thought I'd hear oh, it like that sentence. <laughs> he does now. All right, hell yeah. Yeah, he's been working out with me for three weeks now. I got like a little comedy boot camp going on over here. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. Shane Gillis, Duncan Trussell, Hassan Ahmad, Brian Simpson, and me—we uh, get together and put get some workouts in. All those guys are uh, are living down here. Yeah, they're all living down here. That's dope, man. Yeah, Austin's it's dope. pretty dope. Austin's dope right now. Hell it's, yeah, it's a great spot. I uh, I popped in here yesterday to Austin, and I didn't. I feel like I didn't used to be able to do this. But yeah, it was it was dope, man. I got to go like do a spot at the creek, and then I got to go to your spot. Got to do the little boy. Nice. Yeah, it's been dope, man. Yeah, it's fun. Austin's like it's a new thing. It's like an exciting thing. Yeah, it's you like, know, you know, it used to be like before COVID. Austin was, as far as Texas goes, Austin was like the place to go if you were too scared to like go to new york or la people were like just go to austin you know it stayed busy but it was also like very woke and so you, you had you had to be like real careful and now it's like nah buck it's wild. just yeah it's, it's buck wild i like that yeah it's buck wild <laughs> yeah well you know what it is it's kill tony kill tony's because kill tony's here that show it sets the standard because it's all just about being funny and people realize like this idea that you're supposed to have like some sort of fucking social message in your comedy. Yeah. I also think oh, it's just a lot of Cal Californians and, and New Yorkers as well. Cause like everybody started moving down here to, to be able to actually be on stage Yeah, from New York or LA during COVID. And yeah, I feel like when they got here, they were like, you know, be careful. But everybody from California, New York was just like, no, well, it depends on where you're from, you know, I mean, there's there's pockets of uh, people that are like enchanted by the wokeness in all all sections of the country. You know, it depends. Like if you're coming from the comedy store, it's just about being funny. But if you're coming from some of the other clubs in L.A., maybe it's not like yeah. it's just it's Hollywood, man. It's like movies and TV. They're all run by executives and you have to think like they think or you don't get hired. Well, I think uh, I think another reason that. It got so buck wild though, is because during COVID, if you were coming here, it's because you were already like, man, fuck the fucking yeah. COVID rules. You know what I mean? Right. If you're really that safe person, right. you're probably also that like woke comedian. So I feel like those people stayed back while everybody who was ready to get buck wild came down to buck wild town and got <laughs> buck wild. I think you, I think you nailed it. Yeah, yeah. I think you nailed it because the people that came here were like, fuck this, like fuck telling me that I can't do stand up, fuck telling me I can't go to a restaurant. Yeah, especially yeah. when you go on the road and you realize that if you just live in L.A. and you never leave L.A., you think the world is L.A. And then you go to Nashville and you go, oh, they haven't lost their mind. Yeah, like, they didn't lose their mind in Nashville. Mm -hmm. They were normal. Like you go to Dallas, they didn't lose their mind in Dallas. People mm -hmm. kind of got a little freaked out for COVID for a couple of weeks and everybody sort of just settled in. Yeah. California never settled in, man. It never settled in. It's still there. I've been seeing people with masks on this week. I see that a lot too. I remember when like um, 
when I came down to Austin a few times during COVID, to a lot of the comics from like LA, you were like, Jesus Christ. Like they were they were like waiting on you to like rise with your club, dude. <laughs> I was like, you guys are putting too much pressure on Joe Rogan, man. A lot man. of pressure, bro. Because uh, I think I think it, I think it's not all LA comics, but there were a few that maybe felt like the Austin comics weren't showing love to the LA comics. They were like, man, they put us last on the mics. They don't book us on the shows. The LA comics got to do our own thing. He's like, but they were like, just wait, man. I heard a couple guys say this. They were like, just wait, man. When Joe opens up his club, it's <laughs> over. Like, we'll be back on top. But I feel like you brought everybody together, man. Yeah, it's about it, everybody should be together. This is a fun artist community, and it should be fun for everybody. There's no us versus them. Shut up. We're all comics. Stop yeah. with the silliness. The Austin comic, L.A. comic. It was New only York for. Comic. I think it was only for a little bit during yeah. COVID when everybody's just rushing in. You know, well, everybody was freaking out just about change in the world. You know, like there was a lot of weird shit going on in the world, and everybody had a higher level of anxiety. And to take a chance when you're young and you're coming up and everybody tells you L.A. is where you have to be. Are you a 27, 28-year-old comic? Oh, my God, you got to get to L.A. That's what I had always heard. You got to get to L.A. You got to get to L.A. Yeah. It's not the case anymore. That's not real anymore. The thing that helps you more than anything is podcasts. That's the thing that helps you more than anything. Yeah. Number one, social media, podcasts, you know? Those are like, look how big you got so quick from a couple clips. Yeah. It's just a couple clips. Like, you know it as well as anybody. Mm -hmm. If you've got good shit, now it gets out. Like, that, there is not a TV show in the world that would have done that for you. Mm -mm. You would have had to be the star in the, like, if you were living in the 90s, you'd have to be the star of some NBC sitcom to sell the kind of tickets you're selling right now. Just from clips online. It's beautiful. For for comedians, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. I feel like it, it's letting people decide who gets to blow up. You know what I mean? Like, I, feel, I don't know what it used to be like because I wasn't there. But I feel like it used to be the industry kind of decides when you get your break or not. Like, do they put they you on this show or that movie? They sort of do, but stand-up has always at least partially been a meritocracy. You know, stand-up. The quality of your stand-up is the most important thing. Whether or not people are laughing, that's the most important. It's always been the most important thing. So if someone is undeniable, they always come through. There's yeah. a, they always come through. But they also have to be a hard worker. You got to actually put it. There's too many guys that are really good that just go to one club or they go, you know, they don't, they don't go on the road. There's too many guys that, like, they missed this window of opportunity where they could have been, like, real national headliners, and they just never developed a following out there in the world. Uh, they I, fucked I, up. A hundred percent. I know a handful of comics, like, back home or in New York or L.A., who I feel like are some of the funniest people in the world and mm -hmm. don't have a lick of work ethic, so yeah. the world will never know. <laughs> it's, it's horrible. But it's some of them, it's not the work ethic. Some of them get jobs, like in the business, like they're writers or uh, like Owen Smith, who is one of the top 20 stand-up comics alive. Owen Smith is a fucking killer. His shit is so tight. His, it's, it's, he's so smooth on stage. You look at him, you're like, how is this guy not selling out arenas? How is this guy not selling out arenas? It's because Owen had, they're great jobs. He got a bunch of great jobs. Like he run, runs sitcoms and stuff, runs shows. He's a writer. But God damn, when you look at the, like, the quality of his stand-up, like, man, you should be 
everywhere. You should be everywhere. I mean, to each their own. If he's happy, he's happy, right? I yeah, I, I think he, the, the writer strike probably freaked him out. I think the writer strike and the actor strike freaked a lot of those guys out. They're like, oh shit! Like, because if they just pulled a plug for five, six months in some sort of contract negotiations, like some of those executives were literally saying, wait these people out when they start losing their homes. Then yeah, I saw that. To, yeah, that's bro, some cutthroat shit. That's wild. Imagine if you got to go to work with those people after that. Imagine you know that's how they feel about you. I couldn't do that. I couldn't. I, I mean, I, I already didn't not. go that route. I don't know if I could ever go that route. You could have gone that route in the 90s. In the 90s? That was the only option, man. Oh. In the 90s, it was when I first came to Hollywood in 94, that was what everybody wanted. You wanted what Jerry Seinfeld had. You wanted what Roseanne had. It was Brett Butler, who's uh, what was that show called again? Grace Under Fire. That was a big show. Tim Allen. You wanted to be a comic that got a sitcom. That was the shit, dude. Yeah. If you were a comic that got a shit sitcom, now you got a house in Beverly Hills. You're fucking balling out of control. You're driving a Ferrari. Woo! You made it. That's what everybody wanted. This was like the goal, That's, right? Yeah. And somewhere along the line, I think it was like the 2000s, reality shows came around. Everybody wanted a reality show? They're, too che they're so cheap to make. It's so cheap to make. And you don't, I mean, you have like, you barely pay the people that are on them. Like all those real housewives and shit, they're not like making millions of dollars, I don't think. Uh, you think they are? I don't know. I'd like, they now make? I'd like to know just so maybe. I can talk shit to them. <laughs> I think like maybe the new ones do. Like they could, obviously the Kardashians make a shitload of money. Oh, right? yeah. But I think they own their show. But what about like. The point is like they're way easier to make than yeah. a sitcom. Ways like Fear Factor was, you know, was complicated in the stunts and all the stuff they had to do, but you don't have to write a script and like all that stuff like plays out on its own. It's like people are competing. It plays out on, on, the the drama just happens and you have good editing, good music and all that shit. But a sitcom, man, to write a good one, bro, that shit is brutal. My, yeah, props to writers, man. Props to writers. Props to writers. I, I don't know. Hard gig, TV man. in general just kind of scares me. Acting, writing, I don't know. You just you're just so attached to like other people's opinions of you. <laughs> like you're constantly getting chosen for yeah. stuff. I feel like even even though I've never done that, I do I do get tired of like comments. Like I know they say never read the comments, but I'll read them. <laughs> But it'll be like the the like I could take a joke, I could take getting roasted, especially if it's people who follow me. It right. kind of feels like, oh well, I mean they follow, it's some sort of support. It feels like you're getting roasted by like your cousin, like right. hey, still on my team, fuck it. But the ones that like piss me off, like I don't know why they shouldn't, but they just throw me over there. It's like I want to fucking hit this guy in the <laughs> face. Is like if I just left like let's say I did Miami last month. And then I, or like two weeks ago, and then I post like a flyer for next show's month, like next month's shows. And people are like, what the fuck, you avoiding Miami? I'm like, hey, dumb man, I was just there like two weeks ago. Like, when'd you start following me, asshole? Like, stop making me look like I don't show your shitty love. Like, you can't pay attention to that. That's just someone who doesn't look at schedules. I hate it. Yeah, but that's like it. just, you just, that's a crazy person. That's a lack of information. Yeah, but I don't know Bro. why it just bugged me. I stopped checking social media. I'll check it like once throughout the day and if if i happen to catch your message or your comment i catch it if not fuck it like tomorrow you know what it's like man it's like when you're out at like a, a party or a club or something like that and and someone yells across the room yo what's up ralph 
Uh, yeah. You know, and you go, hey, what's up, man? He goes, dude, I'm a fan. What's up? How you doing? Then he'll give you some love. That's... But he's like checking you to see if you'll like react to him. Bro, somebody. That's kind of like what they're doing in the comments. Somebody. Why, you uh... don't come to Miami? Man, they, yeah. They somebody tried to, to do that in like, I think it was Denver. I was already pretty drunk and I was tripping off mushrooms, man. <laughs> and I was like in a playful mood. I can't help it. And some guy stopped me while I was walking out of the club. And he was like, yo, Ralph. And I don't know why my, my first reaction instantly was just to be like, yo, Rodrigo. And I didn't know who he was or nothing. I just like, huh? Like, we're guessing people's names now? <laughs> and he just like, he went blank face. He's like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I'm fucking with you, man. I was like, what's your name? And he was like, like Eric or something. I was like, yo, Eric? <laughs> and then I was like, nice to meet you, bro. And I was like, my bad, man. I just walked off. And when we were outside... Uh, man, it was like snowy, icy. We're outside, and some that same. I'm pretty sure it was that same dude. He was like, "Hey, Ralph." He's like, "Man, you pussy, bro." And I was like, "I was like, what's up?" Uh, I was like, "What's your deal, bro? What's going on?" I had a feeling like he was because he, he was still real smiley. I had a feeling he was just fucking with me or something. I was like, "What's up, man? What's your deal?" He's like, "What?" I was like, "What's up, bro? What's your deal?" He's like, "What's my deal?" And I felt so cool because I was smoking a cigarette. <laughs> I was like, "What you want to do, bro?" And my friend Luis was really drunk. That dude just loves to fight. Luis was <laughs> Luis pointed at my buddy Vince, who's like the nerdiest guy in the world. He he's a writer for that show This Fool. Super nerdy guy with glasses. He's like, You see this guy, bro? He knows MMA. He doesn't though. <laughs> oh, no. I don't think Vince has ever been in a fight. And that dude was like, Nah, I'm fucking with you, man. I'm sorry, bro. I was fine. But I was just kinda waiting for him to come at me. I usually if I get into a fight, I, I'm gonna get the first hit. I'm a small dude. I'm not going to risk getting knocked out on the first punch. I'm not like a, if he hits me, then I'll hit him. Like, mm. if there's a fight that's going to happen, I'm fucking swinging first. I'm going to lose either way, most likely, but I'm going to at least start swinging first before you knock me out. But I wanted him to come to me because it was so snowy and icy. I was like, if I start walking and I fucking slip, I was like, I need, I need, I want him to risk slipping first before I risk slipping. Yeah, ice fighting is not smart. Yeah, That's it was the day slippery. before the Netflix special came out. So I was like, I'm not going to have a video of me getting knocked out in the ice come out yeah, the not day good. before the special. You you have to know jujitsu if you're going to fight in the ice. 100%. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're fighting someone on a slippery surface, all you have to do is grab them. And you're both going to the ground. All right. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. If you, but don't fight. <laughs> don't fight, man. Don't fight I feel on like ice. it's coming. Like, don't I, fight let me take with my mice. Jacket. I'm getting heated just talking about this. Don't fight. Ralph, you're a wild young kid. Don't do it. You got a great career. Don't fight. Don't be fighting people. If you want to fight, go to a gym. Learn I went to, to a fight. boxing gym for a little bit uh, earlier this year. I went for like two months. That'd be good for you. Yeah, I liked it. I want to do something different, though. Boxing is the, one of the very best things ever for uh, relieving like uh, tension. Like if you're fucking tense, you just like you got too much going on in your world. Man, you just put on some good tunes. I have a Wu Tang playlist uh, that man, I play when I hit the bag. I I, I would oh. uh, I'd go like early, like early in the morning for like private sessions, mm. and uh, that's what I would put on some Wu Tang, some RZA, RZA mm. specifically. He has that one song that like uh, you can't stop me now. Yeah, it's like a boxing classic. Yeah, RZA's got so many jams, but for me, n number one is protect your neck. That has to be on every playlist, and. Uh, that's like we when we would drive we would drive to the arena shows and we'd sometimes we'd get a police escort and there's something wild about cop cars with flashing lights and you're listening to protect your neck nice <laughs> 
We we never had a I've never had a police escort, but one Gravel time in a parking one. lot, I had a security guard escort. Uh, but they have like the yellow lights. Those aren't as threatening or as fun. The yellow lights. No, that's not as fun. Yes, you need blue wasn't. lights. It was also like a like a shopping center parking lot. So it wasn't. <laughs> it's not exactly an arena, but dude, some of the best comedy clubs ever, and those little shopping center mall places. Yeah, little fucking clubs that you would never imagine were great. You know, little funny bones. Yeah, man. Shit, there's some. Ba- I never been to that one that's at the Mall of America, but I heard that's dope too. That was like the first club I got to do, like when I started hitting the road, that was like our second club. I don't know. It was like November, like early November. Are you, are you from Dallas? Are you mm-hmm. from Dallas? So like Minnesota winter is a different thing, man. Oh, I loved it. Cause that's I love the cold. And I'm tired really? of the heat. Yeah. I'm so sick of the heat. Oh no, that's funny. That's I had, funny. I finally had a reason to wear a jacket. Like, see, I grew up in Boston. Oh, so you're used it's to the cold. cold as fuck in Boston, and I'm like, fuck the cold. <laughs> you can heat me up. That doesn't bother me at all. I know people die in the cold. People die in their car in the cold. Yeah. Yeah. That's- in the heat, all you have to do is get in the shade, get water, don't be stupid, be in reasonably good shape, and you can get away with it. If there's like woods and you have water, if it's the cold. But You're I, fucked. But I love, I love it, man. I'm skinny. I, I, I just layer up. Wear like two, three jackets. Oh, that's great. I'm as chilling. long as there's a place to get warm. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you can't survive unless you can get warm. That's the difference. Like everybody's worried, worried about global warming. Global cooling is what freaks me out. Ice ages freak me out. Yo, when Texas froze a couple years ago, yeah. I was, I was somebody. I think I was watching like a video on Instagram. Somebody was just like. If uh, climate change like keeps getting worse, that will happen. But like for longer periods of time, or for like colder temperatures, if that's true, then yeah, I'm pretty scared, bro. That's all guesswork. Everyone's yeah. guessing. Yeah, there's there's definitely an impact. It's undeniable that human beings have an impact. But the here's the problem: the climate is never the same. It's never steady forever. If you go back to like 1934. In, I think it was Wyoming, got to like 118 degrees. Holy shit. Yeah, something crazy like that. And they were talking, it was, I was, God, I don't remember where I saw this. I, I guess that's why the they call it climate like, change. It's because of the Dust Bowl. The Dust Bowl. What was that? I always hear about that. Climate change. The, the, the Dust Bowl. I don't it's bad fires. Like a lot of, I mean, this is not exactly what it was, but a lot of it was bad farming and drought. It caused a bunch of, bad crops so they all and they all turned to like shit they turned to dust mm. and it created giant dust storms all over the like western part of the country and that heated things up it led to a bunch of shit in the air that like caused problems with the storms and the sun and wow. it definitely so, did heat things up i bet us. they so thought the world was ending right then and there that's wild but anyway the point is if you go back in time you, you know when they do with they do these things called core samples so they take this giant slab of the earth you know, hundreds of feet down. And through that, you can, you know what, er- they do carbon testing. And so they know, like, this is from a 1,000 years ago, this is from 2,000 years ago. When they when they do that, it's all over the place, man. When they, ha- they have these charts of the temperature of the Earth throughout history. Have you ever seen them? They're, they go like this, all over the place, be- even before people. Like, it's always been wacky. I'm learning a lot, man. Learning about Hollywood in the 90s and climate change. Bro, I'm here to teach. 
That's, that's, what, that's what I'm. <laughs> this is such a one-sided podcast, man. It's not even fair. Like, no, it's not. It's, Come on, man. It's, it's not, dude. Question. I was thinking about that on it's the way over here. It's a conversation. It is, but like, do you realize how how like this is like, bro? It's not even fair, bro. I Why have I have everything to gain here. Like like me, I, I'm 27, right? Right. And you know, you're Joe Rogan. You got the experience. You got the podcast. You got all this knowledge in the world of comedy business. If I just listen, I'm gonna learn some shit today. <laughs> but you, you gotta talk to like a 27 year old. Like, what do you even talk about? Like everything oh, we've talked about, on, I'm learning. This I is my to first be 27. Time. Come on, man. Oh, I true. love what you're doing right now. I really do. I love comics on the rise. It's exciting to me. Well, comedy is fun. I love comedy. I love uh, good comics, and I love when when people get better at shit. And I love watching it. I really do. I love watching people crack. It's Appreciate fun. It. I I'm love definitely like, trying to get better. You're, you're fucking great, man. You're funny as shit. Well, you're cool. You, you're you. relaxed. You're you're smooth on stage. You got yeah. a lot going for you, man. And I love it. I so, lo- sometimes I, love I won't that. be smooth on stage. Sometimes I'll sometimes I'll have a burst of energy and I'll let it out and I'll have fun <laughs> that way. And I can tell some of the audience is like, ah, this is fun. And some of them think I'm on drugs because they've never seen that. They're like, he's coked out. I'm never. I'm not a coke guy though. I'm not. I want people to know that. If you ever see me on stage and I'm not like super mellow and I'm actually energetic, just know it's not drugs. Mushrooms, maybe not. Not anything else, though. Yeah, I don't. I know a few guys who've done like the guys who had problems with coke, who did coke and then did did stand up, and they said it fucked their stand up up. Yeah, I bet. I, 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 I'm so I'm sober on stage like ninety eight percent of the time. Yeah, you're smoother that way. Yeah, I like a drink. I like a drink every now and again, a little puff and a drink. Sometimes you just need to, that just to kind of lose, like... Just to get in the fun mood. Yeah. Just we're having fun, you know? Yeah, for sure. Sometimes you might be a little stressed depending on what's going on in your day or your week, and you need, like, a shot, yeah. a couple hits to, like, yeah, take just, that off a little bit. Just take that edge off and just, hey, come on, Ralph, enjoy this shit. You're on a fun ride. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. I just... I just I try to chill sometimes just because I know that if I do start drinking, I'm not going to stop. Like, I'm not a, like a few beers in the night. I might, if I have two shows, I might drink a beer or two before the second show. I might drink another couple beers on the stage. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, when I'm on like the West Coast, from Texas to the West, my audiences are like 100% Mexican. Like, there's no type of mix. And if you drink in front of an all-Mexican crowd, they're just going to keep like, chug, chug, chug. <laughs> Bro, and there's no satisfying them. Like, <laughs> they give you, like, I learned my lesson. If you chug one, you'll have to chug another. If you chug the next one, you, like, you'll yeah, be eight beers in are, wanting to throw up on stage. Like More dudes going to bring you beers. Yeah. Like, Let me get them one, too. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. like, so yeah. I, I won't drink on stage. If I do, I'll let them know, like, I'm, I'm not fucking, you're not, you're not doing this to me. Yeah, they could take you down the rabbit but hole. But after the show. If I already started drinking after the show, I'll, I'll keep it going. Mitzi's is a fun place to be after the shows. Where? Mitzi's, the bar downstairs at the mothership. Oh, yeah? Tonight, tonight after the shows, we're going downstairs. Yeah. All right, all right. We're going, it's great. Whole staff's partying, just hanging out. Yeah, Let's it's a great it. vibe. It's a, a real uh, great sense of community and home, you know, that it's, it's a real, like, home base. You know, you that, need home bases when you're on the road a lot. I feel. Do. I think you do too. Keep you human. That's what we used to have at the store. It was a home base. All these guys that would tour on the weekends, we'd all meet each other at the bar, at, at the bar downstairs. It was a comedians only bar, and it was this beautiful bar. And the 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 bar itself was Mitzi's. It was from her home, and the, they moved it 
when she moved out of her home, they moved it and they put it uh, in this one. So you knew it was like, you're holding on to Mitzi's bar. This is hers, you know? Yeah. This is her bar. Like you feel her bar when you put your hand down, when you have a drink, you set it down on Mitzi's bar. There was something about that, man. And then we're, you know, Ron White's back there and fucking Dave Chappelle's back there. Dave brings his own music sometimes. It's crazy. It's beautiful. No, I fucking love that. Beautiful. It's just a hang, man. And oh, so yeah. that's what we do at the mothership. Dave has good music. He's always got the best music. I got. I always have Shazam on point when Dave's yeah, yeah, I yeah. have it set up, so uh, I tap the back of my phone three times, and Shazam, Shazam pops, pops up. up. Yeah. I just have it on the little pull-down menu or whatever. I don't know what you call I it. I don't want to show case. you my messages. I got a new case. It's a little thick. I might have fucked up my tapping. That was like <laughs> the sweetest thing. I could tap three times. Boom, boom, boom. You're going to have to work out your hands oh, more. See, Shazam comes up. Hell yeah. Yeah, I got to get better finger strength. Got to get better... You're telling me, buddy. Got to work on my piano skills. <laughs> I imagine piano players, man. That kind of dexterity in your fingers. That Piano and guitar or any, anything you could do with your fingers like that, that's some wild dexterity that There's people have. There's Instagram videos. I got a trick for that. Yeah. There's no need for dexterity these days. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to play like a full-on song, then yeah, you need dexterity and actual piano lessons. <laughs> but if you're the type of guy like me who just every now and then comes across a piano and you want to impress people, who, right. there's these Instagram videos that have like four keys tops. And if you play like the keys the way they tell you, it's a simple little pattern, but it sounds like you're doing a bunch. It sounds oh. like you have dexterity. Mm. So it's cool. I just like to trick people. I have no real skills. I just well, that's a skill. You just have a very small skill. Yeah, like you were playing pool earlier with yeah. Jake. You can make a ball, right? Mm -hmm. you, that's a skill. You're just not a professional pool player. Yeah, that's the difference. Like, I know enough to get skill. by. Yeah, you have. I'm a like skill. that. I'm like Leo on Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> like I'll get by. I'll get some money, but there won't yeah. be a real career here. Well, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about anything. Like, you learn, and then you realize how much more there is to learn. Like, yeah. I remember when I first started doing stand-up, you know, all you're trying to do is just get a laugh. Just all you're trying to do is, like, figure out how to not drown up there and slowly but surely try to find things that you think are funny and that make, make you – but you, you're getting better, you know, over time, for sure. Everybody gets better. All of us get better. For sure. And there's something about that that's fucking cool. And it's, it seems to never end, man. That's what I love about stand-up. I've always loved to learn. Like, I love it. I'll, I'll, I've had various jobs just for the sake of learning that specific little trade. But stand-up was the first thing that I was like, man, this is never ending. It's like, never I'm never going to finish learning. I'm never going to finish getting as yeah. good as I want to get. So that's the one that I really stuck to. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, too, because you get this amazing feedback from all these people, and you make them feel better. Yeah. Like when people leave a great show, they have this fucking smile on their face, like, oh shit, that was great. That was so fun. Yeah. That was so fun. Sometimes so it's girls like want to have sex with you after. That's crazy. Yeah. You're bringing joy. Yeah. You're just bringing joy to all these people. But you're getting better at it, too. Dom Herrera said that to me once. And Dom at the time was in his 60s. And he's like, Joe, I don't think I've ever been sharper. He goes, like, all these sets at the store, he goes, I, f I feel like stand up is an amazing thing because you could just keep getting better at it. I'm motivated to do more of it, whether I kill or I bomb. Because if I bomb, well, yeah. I'm like, bro, when I have to fix that. Have you seen Ron White lately? Mm -mm. Ron White's sober now. He doesn't drink anymore. Mm. Better than ever. Yeah? Better than ever. You see, that's why I want to stay sober. Murdering. Murdering. I mean, murdering. 
Ron yeah, White's a, a fucking assassin. And right. he's like never been sharper. New bits, always working on new shit, constantly rolling out new material. He's going on tour again. He was going to have a retirement party. I'm like, bitch, you ain't retiring. I don't think you could that. retire with stand-up. I think, I think, I mean, what do I know, but. He was saying that he was just going to do the club. I'll just do the mothership. I'm like, yeah, for a while you're just going to do the mothership, but you're going to get that itch. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's, you know, what he's going through or anything, but I feel like. This is the type of game where you you could you could try to retire, you could try to take breaks, but man, there's no finishing this. It's too fun. Yeah, there's it's just no fun. way to finish. And you're doing it with people that are like you. Like, yeah, we're weirdos. Yeah, you know, we can find other comics to hang out with. They're the most forgiving, understanding, ridiculous people. Talk shit to each other all the time. Everyone's laughing. That green room at the mothership. At any given night, it is just like a full-on show, and we're all howling at each other. You know, Hinchcliffe's cracking on people. Shane Gillis is cracking on people. Ron White chimes in. Brian Simpson dumps on people. It's wild back there. We're having so much fun. Just all laughing at each other, just all falling down on the ground, slapping tables. Just fucking dope, man. It's it's beautiful. It's hard to, like, joke, like, it's hard to go back from that. Like, yeah. you, you, when you get used to talking shit with comics, my group of friends that I grew up with, we talked heavy amounts of shit to each other. Like, there was no there was no line. And I feel like with comics, you can do that too. You know, everybody's yeah. just shooting the shit. But it's tough sometimes, like, going home or, or trying to, like, like, I, like, I've dated people where I meet their family or whatever, and, you know, you start to get a little comfortable, <laughs> but you're, you're, you're there's like, you forget that they have, yeah. their line is way fucking. Way, 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 way down the yeah. road. Yeah, and I'm like, fuck. Like, you passed their line a lot. You passed their line in the third grade. Yeah, I've said, I've said some <laughs> jokes in front of, like, the family of girls I've dated or something like that, where they're just like, holy yeah. shit, man. I'm like, all right, my bad, my bad. Yeah. So it's tough to go back. But sometimes I kind of miss that, too, to be around somebody who's, like, not a comic. Like, I don't know. My uncle has a, a body shop. And uh, sometimes there's just random dudes that will go hang out, dudes that are getting their cars painted there. Dudes that, and sometimes I, like, miss those guys because I remember them just right. talking shit about, like, just random things. It's regular dudes. Yeah. Sometimes they're curious about things, and they don't have the knowledge of, like, the celebrity world or like right. the outside this or that you know, just kind of shooting the shit yeah sometimes i do kind of miss those convos but i don't know i i i don't like them getting mad at jokes but I her, yeah, yeah so i like, know what you're saying yeah i mean i got a lot of friends that have regular jobs one of my best friends he's works as a maintenance guy at high school i've known him since i was like 24 23 do we you ever friends forever. imagine like shout out to tommy jr Yo, what up, Tommy Jr.? Do you ever imagine, like, going back to something like that? like To, like, regular life? Yeah, do you ever? Yeah. Yeah? Well, I think everybody that gets real famous, there's a certain amount of pressure that comes with that that's not comfortable for some people. You know, like, you think how it is, like, reading your comments. You imagine if I read my comments? <laughs> I was going to ask you about that, too. Do you ever read them? No. no? Not, they're not good for you. They're not? No. Yeah. I think the bad ones are not good for you, and the good ones aren't good for you either. No, they can't be. Because you got to stay yeah. you yes. no matter what. And that's difficult. And so a lot of guys lose their mind. And I've lost my mind a few times and got it back. But you, you could lose your mind. You oh, could get for sure. lost in 
you know, other people's opinions of you, who are you really, you, you're not, you need a, a, at least some amount of time in your day to self-reflect. Just self-reflect. You know if you have asked something or if you did a good job. You know if you prepared for something the way you should have. You know, you know, you know if a show went well. You know if a show sucked. You know you were off. You like you didn't have any, something, anything, yeah. whatever it is. You know, and if you don't spend enough time thinking about that and working on those things, whether it's with your personal life or your stand up or your hobbies or anything that you're doing, if you don't have at least some time where you're not thinking about other people's opinions, but you're just looking at it yourself, then you got too much noise coming in and too much noise. Oh, fuck you. I didn't say, fuck you. And then you see people where their whole life is engaged in these meaningless disputes with people. Meaningless. Yeah. Energy that you could spend on positive things like friendships, like a hobby that you enjoy, like your loved ones, like positive things about life. And oh. I think for some people, they get trapped in this world of other people's opinions and they don't take enough time to look at themselves. Like, think about yourself. Think about you. Think about what you're doing. I'm learning. Yeah, I'm learning that, at least for me, I don't know. I feel like stand-up is a lot like a fight or like racing a car. Like, everybody could have an opinion on, like, why you won it, why you lost it, the right. race. or the, But nobody's really in the car with you. Nobody saw if you actually shifted wrong or correctly or, right. or if it was because you ducked when you should have punched or something. Like, right. only you know. Only you know. Yeah, learning that. Yeah, but that's, I guess that's the case with everything. And there's nothing wrong with people expressing opinions. But I just don't think it's good for you to get engaged with them. I just don't think that's mentally healthy. Oh, I've engaged. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I, I engaged for like a good two hours. But here's, my, here's where I fucked up. Not only engaging is I, I waited to post a clip. And I had a feeling that a few people would, would talk some shit. So I po I waited to post it on an afternoon where I'd have some time to engage. Like I knew you I would engage. You did it engage. on purpose? You were yeah. ready? Yeah, I was like, nah, because I want to see what people say, right? Right. Um, but after a while, I was like, all right, I've engaged enough. Like, But yeah, after that, I was like, nah, I'm not doing this again. That was kind of my like, all right, I'm I'm good on engaging point. That was when I realized like I should... I should not check social media anymore, or not as often. I posted a clip making fun of Latino Republicans. <laughs> I, I didn't even like say anything harsh. They got mad. I didn't say. I, all I said is they look weird. That's that's like the heaviest thing I said. <laughs> was that it's weird to see a dude with an accent be like, "We got to stop immigrants," you know? You're like, because <laughs> you're like wondering when they got here, like right. I didn't. I was like, I don't know. They're saying they're wrong. I mean, fucking Robitussin tastes weird, but I mean, you need it, right? Like, maybe it's working. I don't know. So I'm not saying they're wrong. I just said it a little weird. Well, there's a shitload of them in Florida. Yeah, all the people that came from communist countries. Oh, here like, in Texas Fuck too. That nonsense. So, so a lot of the people hey, who you came want from one of these little cigars. Yeah, hell yeah. These little Ron White specials. Ron White got me on these little cigars. The little baby cigars. So you don't have to finish a whole one. A lot of the people who were commenting were like people who came from communist countries, and I don't know their experience. Uh, I don't know the experience of anybody really. I'm just up there talking some shit, but yeah. I, I wasn't trying to change anybody's mind. I wasn't like you're you just talking shit. Yeah, I was like you shouldn't yeah. be. And people were in the comments. They were like, uh, they're like, well, Ralph doesn't understand politics. Yeah, I don't. This is a joke. Like, yeah, I'm just talking shit. Also, I just said you look weird. I didn't yeah. say nothing wrong with it. You know what I mean? Some Versace shirts look weird. They do look weird. But they're nice. They're nice. You know what I mean? 
Wasn't that what Shane got for the fights? He got a Versace shirt, a golden Versace shirt. That shit looked dope. That's a bold move. You know, you got a gold Versace shirt on. You're like, I'm here to party. You know, that's like the ultimate Hawaiian shirt. Like a Hawaiian shirt is I'm here to party. And a Versace shirt. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know know what you're talking about. He posted a picture. Look at him. With the president, with the former president. It's a blurry picture. That's a badass picture, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> like I'm not like a Trump supporter or nothing, but that's just a fucking dope picture. It's a fun picture. Have you ever seen Shane's uh, Trump impression? Yeah, it's fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. You have like an ashtray? Oh, yeah. right there. Right. If I, I was Trump's sure. friend, I'd try to get him to shave his head. I'd be like, "Come on, bro." I want I want to take Let's more cool pictures like that. And just post them every now and I don't think he put like a caption, right? I don't I don't know what he put up. I don't think he put a cat, bro. That's fucking genius. That's why this dude's like the next goat, bro. Oh, he's so funny, man. He's so funny. He's, that, that bit he has about Navy SEALs. Oh my god, I could uh, watch yeah. it a hundred times. I could watch it a hundred times. He's so funny, man. And he's out here too now. It's it's cool because we got like this real like good vibe going where everybody's just really fucking having fun. It's and it and there's all these young guys coming up. Because, like, a big point of the club was development. Like, we want to have two nights of open mic night. Every Sunday, every Monday, open mic night. And then Monday, Kill Tony. Kill Tony is the anchor. That's the anchor. Because it sets the tone of the culture. Like, you have one minute. In that minute, you got to be funny. You just got to be... And then people realize, like, oh, that's what this is all about. Yeah, this is an art form. It's an art form, and it's about how to be funny. And everybody's got their own way. You know, Ali Sadiq has these great stories. He's got these beautiful, long stories. He's an amazing storyteller. You know, and then you got Joey Diaz, who's like, bang, 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 That's bang, bang, bang. Fuck. He hits you with those bang, bang, bangs. I love, know, I love the, uh, the upstairs room, the little boy, because you got comics going up, but you also have, like, Every employee in the mothership going up. Yeah, well, you're they're all the, comics. Yeah, they're all comics yeah. too. But you're giving them a chance, man. A lot of comics work the club to try to like get in with the club, uh, like across the country, whatever their club is. And sometimes even they don't get really the chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we all came from open mics. Everybody did. Like that's the only way to do it. You have to get on stage. Yeah. So why would a club not have an open mic? And they're like, well, it doesn't, you know, we could fill it up with a headliner. Yeah, you could. You could, but you're making a short-term gain decision where you're making more money. And you're not looking at the long-term just for the art form. The art form needs seeds. It needs plants. It needs someone to help. It needs someone to tend the garden. It needs yeah. someone to give people opportunities and to say, like, this is a renewable resource this beautiful thing that we all enjoy. People talking shit and us laughing. It's the it's the most beautiful thing. There's, I love it to death. There's the art side and the business side. And yeah, well, that's... There's got to be a balance to it. That's where you... Yeah, you got to... You got to... I don't know, man. I No one else... I don't know anybody else who did it this way because we had to do it in a way where, you know, we we all got up and moved, right? So it was crazy in the first place. And we all took this chance to come here. And in the beginning, a lot of guys moved long before there was a club. So we were just doing the Vulcan. And they had heard that, oh, they got these wild ass shows they're doing in Texas indoors. In November of 2020, we were doing shows indoors. And 
it just started coming. And then one day we did a show with Ron White and Ron White grabbed my shoulders. <laughs> he got off. So he hadn't done stand, stand up in like eight months. He grabs my shoulder. Whatever the fuck we have to do, we're doing this. <laughs> he goes, he goes, when are you going to get your fucking club open up? I go, let's fucking go, Ron White. Let's do this shit. He's like, let's fucking go. I mean, he had just gotten off stage. Yo, and then he gave you these cigars? Yeah, he loves these little cigars. I, I like these He's a like, lot. They're good if you don't want a whole cigar. I never smoked a cigar until I hung you out with Bert You want a big one? You want a real cigar? Yeah, I'll take a big I'll cigar. Bust. Hold on, please. Hold, please. Get you some of these foundation cigars. We got our own cigar, bro. You you make those cigars? No, found, uh, foundation cigars do. Oh, I've never heard of that company. I'm new to the cigar world. I just got into it like in the summer. I'm learning. Shout out to my man Nick. Uh, yeah, this dude. Uh, he, I was super skeptical. He goes, uh, "We made you some cigars." I'm like, "Come on, man! These are probably gonna be wax cigars with a label on it." But no, this dude is like a real cigar head. Like, you know, he he travels to the places where they grow it, and he go, he's involved in the whole process of it. And Hell yeah. He makes a bunch of, like, really dope cigars. Like Willy Wonka when he traveled to the jungle to find Oompa Loompas and stuff? like Something like that. Yeah. But yeah, any, anytime I hear, like, you know how to work these? Like that. Oh, shit. There you go. Anytime um, I meet a dude who's, like, really into something, like my friend Evan from Black Rifle Coffee, that dude is like super, super into coffee, and he's got this laboratory at his uh, factory. He took us to the Black Rifle uh, warehouses where they, you know, do all their work there and do all the roasting. They have these giant roasting machines, and he's got this laboratory where he's like testing different weights of how much coffee you put in, different temperatures, and they've got these dudes sitting around sipping them. Trying to figure out what's the perfect way to do this shit. Like, they're, they're doing it like a lab. Professional sippers. Yeah, man. But that's when you're going to get that dope coffee. That really good coffee. I've just mean, gotten into coffee this year. Oh. Coffee and cigars, that's, that's 2023 Ralph right there. I had this dude on once. Um... I always forget his name. Yeah, a lot Peter of dudes Giuliano. on here once. Peter Ju yeah, I've had a lot of dudes on there. But I had this dude on who was a real coffee expert. And he, he schooled me in all the different kinds of coffee and how they grow them and how they take care of them. And hey, you had this one guy on here once. I remember watching the clips on YouTube uh, where he was talking about, like, Christianity, like ancient Christianity. Yeah. Um, and he asked you... Uh, about I think I think it was a clip about psychedelics. Yeah. Like Chris, but he I forgot I forgot the exact question he asked you. He was like, "Can I tell you?" He's like, "Can I tell you about like the the way Christianity was or something like that?" I forgot how exact the exact question he asked you, and you said, "Yeah." And then he kind of like, "Yeah," and then he kind of laughed a little bit. Bro, that shit scared the shit out of me. If I would have wow. heard the guy laugh. After he's like, can I tell you about this? And I'm like, yeah. And then he laughs. I'll be like, never mind, bro. I feel like you're <laughs> Why did he laugh? He, that what are you going to tell me? you going to say a magic spell? What are you going to say? He was talking about a... I don't remember all of it. I just remember he was talking about like that Christianity used to be kind of like a cult. And then he was saying something about they went underground with it to watch it or something. Who was that, Jamie? You know who that is? 
I was thinking he was talking about Brian Murray. Brian Murray Rescue, sound, probably. It could have been somebody else. But. It might have been Brian. Brian's amazing. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was a, it was a cool episode. I mean, I learned a lot of shit about Christianity that I later forgot, but it was just, yeah. that, it was just that one cool way, the one way he asked the question that scared the shit out of me. And I was watching the clip like at 1 a.m., just chilling, you know? So I turned that off and I just turned the lights on in my room. I was like, all right, all right freaked me out a little bit. It's what's interesting about Christianity. Everybody wants to know what was the first shit they wrote down. Like everybody knows, like the New Testament, right? The New Testament. But then you go, what about the what about the Old Testament? Like ah, that's not, don't pay attention to that. Yeah, I don't really like that. That they be changing shit. You know, give me one set of rules, leave it. Now, if you choose to follow them or not, that's on you. But don't but change shit. Even if it is the writings of Jesus, even if it is the writings of, even if all that is unadulterated, it's not been altered by human beings. It's still put together by people, written down by people. You ever, uh, you ever do that and thing? Very different than the Old Testament. They, uh, I remember they did this like at barber college once, just to like teach us a lesson or some shit. I don't know, but they had this long bench. They sat down, all the students, and our instructor whispered a secret to the first person right. on the far right, and then Telephone they got to keep. Game. Yeah, you got to just keep whispering the secret down the line, and by the end of the line, it's a totally different sentence. Right. That shit made me never want to like check out the Bible anymore. <laughs> yeah, the Bible was. Uh, they think they it was an oral tradition for hundreds, if not a thousand years, before they ever wrote it down. Ah, damn. That's a yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of mix-up. Could be. Yeah, yeah, for sure people could have added some shit in there. You're religious at all? Like, do you go to church or anything? You follow I, a religion? I'm not religious, but I'm not an atheist. Uh, people always say I'm an atheist. I'm not an atheist. I, I feel like I'm on something like that. You know, like, there's something going on out there. Uh, I, I mean, I grew up, like, somewhat Catholic. Like, how most Mexican Catholics are. Like, maybe you don't go to church, but you do this thing all the time. Yeah. So, like, I still, like, you know, like, but, yeah, there is... I don't know, man. I don't know what to believe. I do want to have a religion. I'm not going to lie. It'd but be sometimes nice if there was a good one. One I, you could like, really lock into. Like, man, you guys are making sense. Well, I just like that people <laughs> really like lock into something. And like, I don't know, man. I want to I wanna, like defend something. I want to be like, <laughs> you don't speak that way about Allah. Right. But, it's a nice gang to be a part of. Right. Very aggressive gang. But I also feel like... The gang I belong to, whether I like it or not, is like the comedy world. Yeah. Just make fun of everything. Yeah, that's our gang. But I think religion helps a lot of people, and I don't necessarily think it's— Oh, yeah. I, I think it came from somewhere, and I think there's, there's like, real wisdom to these stories that people wrote down thousands of years ago. But there's a lot of problems in the translations, too, because they're translating shit from, like, the, here's a good example— the Dead Sea Scrolls is the oldest version of the Bible that they're aware of, and it's from uh, Qumran. It's these, uh, it's this. The, they had these like these caves, and they found these big pottery vessels with scrolls in them. And these scrolls, uh, they're all made of uh, animal skins. Like that's how old they oh, are. Shit. That was their paper. They wrote on animal skins. And one of the ways that they figured out, they had to put it all together again, and a lot of it was crumpled and falling apart. And so they had to do DNA testing so that they could figure out, okay, this sam these samples are all from this cow. And so we'll put these here. And it, it took them fucking years and years and years to do this. And 
after 14 years of deciphering it, there was this one guy, his name is John Marco Allegro, and he was, uh, uh, he was a, an ordained minister, but he was also agnostic. Because when he studied theology, the more he started studying it, the more he's like, wait, what the fuck is it? How come this is so much different than this? And what's the origins of these words and where does this all come from? So this guy studies this Dead Sea Scrolls for 14 years. And then he writes a book called The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. And he said that the whole Christian religion was really about psychedelic mushrooms and fertility rituals. That these people had hidden all of these stories in these allegories and in these tales, they'd hidden all this information on what to do and when to do it. And that all, it's a very, very controversial book, but that all of the, like even- You think they got it at Barnes and Nobles? I think you probably get it now. I know yeah. it got, yeah, it got republished. It, it was, I think it was bought out by the Catholic Church for a long time. And then I didn't know the Catholic Church was buying out books. Like they, they didn't want this one out. Some Wolf of Wall Street shit. I don't know if that's true. I need to find out if that's true because I've said it before because someone told it to me. Dude, you say it with enough confidence, it's true. Yeah, if you say it with enough confidence, you get. But Catholic people Church will. bought out GameStop a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> They're responsible for Battlefield Earth. Hell yeah, man, that's crazy that they were riding on like cow skin. Yeah, that's all they had. Fucking cows, man. Cows have never had it easy on this earth, bro. Nope. Kobe nope. beef. Even when they have a good life, it's only for Kobe beef, you know what I mean? Right. Even if they have a good life, it's only like 16 years old. Um, what, what, what is it like in Japan where they really like massage them? Yeah. And feed them? Imagine them being that cow just being like, damn, I've heard about cows that get slaughtered, but man, I got lucky to be born in this <laughs> life. And they're like, nope. You got slightly luckier than the other cows, but well, still a cow. The thing about cows is if you care about like suffering if you you can buy beef from a regenerative farm where that cow dies instantly lives a great life until it dies and then you'd say like no we should let them free they should be free the way they die when they're free is horrific yeah horrific yeah because they get eaten to death oh yeah right yeah, yeah. they get eaten yeah they most of them are not going to make it Who past being them? a calf mountain lions bears Wolves. If they, they bring wolves back. They've brought wolves back everywhere now. They've, wolves are in Colorado wolves now. Are back they're now. moving them in. Yeah, they're moving them in. Badass. I don't know. You heard The wolves are back in town. The wolves <laughs> are back in town. I think that's the boys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you know the what they meant. Are back in town, the they're going to eat your dog. They're going to kill your kids. Oh, that, oh, shit. I didn't yeah. think about that. That's the little Red Riding Hood shit, man. That's all the big bad wolf. That's because in Europe, in like the 1400s or whatever the fuck. They're oh, eating people's grandmas and shit. They ate everybody. Wolves ate people. Wait, what, what year was this? <laughs> Listen, wolves always eat people. In World War One, there was a ceasefire between the Germans and the Russians because wolves were eating so many soldiers that they decided to band together and kill the wolves. Oh, shit. So, you know, maybe they're not a problem. Well, the world is a very problem. split right now. Maybe wolves are going to bring us back together. Maybe, man. Also, maybe we need to bring back psychedelic Christianity. Maybe I think that, that's what Red Riding Hood was on. That's why she thought the wolf was her grandma and shit. Probably. Tripping. Bitch was tripping. Yeah. Imagine how high you have to be. Think a wolf with a dress is your grandma. I'll tell you this, though, on the whole Christian psychedelic trip shit. One time I ate like nine, ten grams of shrooms, and I swear to God, the ceiling, there was a face in it. And I, like, for some reason in my mind, I was like, that's God. And he was fucking pissed. And He's then I, pissed? Yeah. At you? Yeah. For what? I don't know. I think it's just because on the inside, I'm always, I, I've never done mushrooms out in the 
like during the day. I know some people are like, yeah, man, do mushrooms, go to a park. Nah, uh-uh. Because I do believe there's like God out there, some sort of God. And I don't think he's necessarily like uh, like the good guy on a TV show. I think he's God, you know what I mean? You ever had like a boss, like at a like at a place? Right. And maybe he's not exactly fair, maybe he's not exactly nice, but he's the fucking boss. And what he says goes. I feel like maybe that's what God is, you know, for better or worse. And I feel like if I do mushrooms out in the open, he's going to be like mad. So I do them at night. <laughs> I usually do them in my hotel rooms. I'll do research on hotels that have like artwork and stuff. Like Hotel Indigo's, great place to trip, especially the one in Houston. <laughs> If I go to Houston, I'm staying at the Hotel Indigo. But yeah, the ceiling, man. I was tripping so hard, and the face came out, and it looked like it, like it looked like a hand, and then like an elbow, and then I felt like he was putting his elbow on my neck. Whoa! And I couldn't breathe. I started trying to breathe real hard. I was like, <gasps> and my buddy was like having a nice trip. He was just like, "That's right, man, breathe." I was like, "No, dumbass! Like I can't breathe." Like God's it, choking you. Yeah, God was like putting the pressure down on my neck but i feel like that was that was maybe in my mind well it's definitely in your mind yeah you know like just feeling pressure in general right right wondering if i'm doing the right thing or not yeah well a lot of changes have happened really quickly with you you know brian simpson was telling me that you were gonna open for him one weekend in january of 2022 i think and then you blew up and then he called you and you're like, bro, I'm headlining all these clubs now. Nah, he's he, that story. <laughs> That's what he said. The story's a little different. He said you were doing great. I mean, yeah, doing. He said it was a period of a few months, and he he got a hold of you, and you were headlining everywhere. I can't, man. I shouldn't say how the story went because I'm not even sure how the story went. Maybe that is how. I, I do remember we spoke, and I was just telling him like, man, I'm a, like, I do want to open for you because. He's fucking he's Brian Simpson. That dude's hilarious. You hilarious. Know? But at the same time, I was like, I kind of want to take my chances on some headlining, like headlining my own shows here. Mm. But looking back on it, I'm, I mean, there's no regrets. I feel like as long as I'm doing whatever I feel like doing in that moment, there's no regrets, you know? Yeah. But looking back on it, I do wish things would have gone maybe a little slower for me just because I was still a feature Right. I wasn't used to headlining shows when I started headlining shows. And I feel like a lot of my shows were me still very much learning and getting comfortable with an hour on stage. And, like, I love my Netflix special, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm, I'm like, proud of it. I want people to watch it. But I feel like after the special came out is when I actually got to, like, enjoy, enjoy headlining mm. on the road. And I feel like now I'm, in, I'm at a much more comfortable level. And now I feel... I mean, I'm pretty sure this happens to a lot of comics, but I feel like this material now, like this is where it's at. Yeah. Know? I don't even want to post. Like I want to post it. I have right. certain jokes that I'm like, bro, if I could just post this, people will fuck with it, I bet. But there's a lot of it that I'm like, nah, if I don't post it, yeah, I, I, I can just keep doing it like on the road and, and, keep, and give and, people a hell of a show. And put it together on your next special. You're on the road. You're, you're on your path now, man. It's, that's fucking awesome. That's what it's about. How old are you? 27. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. What a good time. Yeah, I like 27, man. 26 was better, but <laughs> 27 is all right. Listen, I know it all came fast to you, but you just got to accept that gift. This is just, a, you know, you can't, you got you got a gift. It's a beautiful gift of being in the right time with the right tools available and having a, a great set and having <laughs> a, a piece of that get I tried out. I to inhale that one. Oh, yeah, don't inhale this, man. It'll fuck you up. But it's, 
you know, it's a gift by the universe, and you gotta, you know, you gotta ride that gift. And it's gonna be, it's weirder that you go from middling, all of a sudden you're headlining everywhere. Yeah. But so what? You're funny, man. I felt like a young Rocky. Like you know how in Rocky one, he's like kind of older already, right? And then I don't know where he gets his shot, you know? Right. Um, I felt like maybe like a younger, inexperienced Rocky, and then I got like a shot. Yeah. You know. Like, but that's <laughs> but the audience knows though too. That's the cool thing. Like they know that you're kind of new to this, but they love you and they want to come see you. Yeah, it's been dope, man. People are so supportive. Do you remember that? What is that girl's name? Is it Angela Johnson, the one yeah. who has that Vietnamese bit? She helped me out a yeah. lot, by the way. That girl had the same kind of thing happen to her. Yeah, she was doing comedy like a few months or something <laughs> like that, and then her bit went viral on MySpace. Bro, she was middling and selling out clubs, and then people would leave when the headliner would go up. That's got to fucking piss off a headliner. Oh, my God. Could you imagine, like, the place is packed, and you're the headliner, but you know they're all there for the middle act? <laughs> what a drag, man. But that was real. That was what was going on for for a while with her. She was telling me about that for a while. She was she's so nice. She sold out. Uh, she was because she's like doing theaters or whatever. She's just, she, isn't she a serious Christian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's a serious Christian. She uh, she's doing like theaters, or she's doing theaters, and then she did like a special, like twenty. What year are we in right now? Twenty three. So like twenty two, maybe it was. I might be getting this wrong. You want some coffee? I'm okay, I'm okay. I'll go to work. But she was, she put out this special, and she had been, like, you know, doing theaters. But after she did the, her special, her last special, she booked a lot of club gigs, she told me. And so she went to San Antonio to the LOL to just book back-to-back -back gigs to keep running material and shit. And uh, I don't know. I kind of just took, like, a page from that book. I was mm. opening her for, like, eight of those shows. And we did LOL. And San Antonio, I mean, fucking... You know, it's like Mexico City there. <laughs> so, like, I have a lot of tickets to sell there, man. So, anytime they wanted to add a show, I was like, yes, add it. Yes, add it. Like, I'm just going to work out so much shit here. But then, I, now that I've done it, we did the first weekend. The first weekend was 10 shows. This next uh, coming up weekend is the next 10 shows. But, like, six, five shows in, I was like, well, hold up. This might be a l not as productive as I thought it was. Because every audience is just 99% Latino, Hispanic, Mexican. And I, I like, fuck. I was like, I, I need I need to work out material in front of everybody. It can't just be only my audience. It can't just be Hispanics. Like, they're going to fucking, they're going to baby me too much. Like, I'm not going to grow. So I came down here. I was like, fucking, like, no offense to my audience. I love them. Like, fucking keep coming now. I'll fuck with them all day. But I also need to get in front of strangers. I also need to get in front of different people some asians some indians some white guys like i need to get in front of everybody if 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 i truly want to grow at least that's my opinion you know what i mean i think that's a good opinion i think that opinion is shared by a lot of people i think uh getting in front of as many different audiences is real important especially in the early days yeah you know you got that's why the road i think is so important if you live in new york city you, you kind of think that everybody thinks like people from new york city and then you go do a gig in oklahoma and you're like oh yeah. okay I love New York too, though, because cause you get great. a little bit of like those diverse strangers. Oh, New York's great. New York's an amazing place to do comedy. Like comedy gym, like comedy. You ever watch, uh, what is it, Christian Bell's Batman? And mm -hmm. he goes up to like Nepal to become Batman to like train. Uh -huh. Sometimes, man, when I was frustrated, and it, especially before I got to tour, when I was still just like a feature or an opener, you know what I mean? A, a, an open mic, go crash on my buddy's couch for like a month or two in New York and just nice. fucking work it out, you know yeah. what I mean? You no, know, New York has uh, always been a great place for talent, you know? I mean, there's always guys like Attell in New York, and there's, it's Ari's always in New York. Ari, it's a, New York's a great place. 
It's just not for me, man. No. It's too many fucking people. Too many people jammed on top of each other. I'm just too. I don't like that that much. Yeah. I like some quiet. I, I like do, some yeah, peace. I feel that. I live. Uh, I live out in the country right now. Oh, do you? Yeah, I live out like an hour south of Dallas. Oh, that's great. Uh, my dad lives out there. He bought land when he was like 20 there, like a little trailer home, and he always kept it. He'd move around a lot. He's, you know, he's an unstable guy. He's up and down, whatever. But he always kept that land. And once he became more of like a family man, you know, he's married to my stepmom. I have younger siblings. He like, you know, make sure that they live there. He got out of prison like 2019. And he went back to like painting cars, working on cars, started saving money, started doing like contractor jobs, started his own business. Now he does like pretty big business contract type work or a couple other guys have their own business and he like built his dream house oh nice on that land no more trailer home he gave the trailer home to my cousin and they moved it like further back on the next piece of land so you know now he has to like start his own little journey or whatever nice but he built that uh he built that house and it's nice man i started building a house on that land as well before my cousin's house so i could like outshine my cousin's house <laughs> but it's not done but my house is purely like, I'm not even looking forward to, I'm not even trying too much right now to, like, actually build a house and be like, this is how I want my kitchen or living room. I'm not even worried about it. The, where I'm, the living compartment is on the upstairs. I'm worried about the downstairs because that's going to be, like, my shop. I used to paint cars, and I want to I do that in my free time again. What kind of painting? Like, I, I, was, I was still very much, like. Like, artistic painting, you mean? No, like, you know, paint the cars. Like, right. paint them blue, paint them red, you know. Oh, like, just painting cars. Yeah, cool. detailing them afterwards, oh, you know. Okay. Uh, I always wanted to paint candy, but you need a lot of experience. A lot of people don't know that when you're painting candy, you can't just do the quarter panel and then move to the door. You got to do, do you, like the whole. What do you mean by candy? Like you know, candy paint, like real, real glittery, real pretty. Oh, is paint. that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Come oh, on, man, you're in Texas now. You got to learn I about didn't know candy it was paint. Called can I, I didn't know that was what it was called. Yeah, you ever go to a car show and and maybe one car just fucking just yeah. pops way more, has way more yeah. flake in it. Like, yeah, it's candy paint, but it's tough to paint. You gotta you gotta be a skilled, like experienced painter, because you can't just fucking. You know, you you always got to be careful how you adjust your gun, right? You want you don't want your pattern too wide, too narrow. Are you super serious about this shit? Oh yeah, man. Painting. I thought that was my thing. Really? When, yeah, I'd get so discouraged at open mics. I'd be like, let me stick to painting. Let me just stick to painting. Wow. But that's fuck. Yeah, it's fucking dope, man. And my uncle's like, in my opinion, he's like a grandmaster painter. He's been painting for years. He learned. So my dad had a body shop when I was a kid, very small. Now, back in these days, my dad was involved in, you know, less than legal business. So this body shop was a front, technically. You know what I mean? But, I mean, they got business. And they got good. And, and my dad hired this painter named Alfred. I mean, rest in peace. Alfred, fucking badass painter. Crazy old guy. He used to, he used to know how to break dance. This shit was badass. Alfred taught my uncle how to paint. My uncle Jose. And my uncle was young. My uncle was kind of like a knucklehead at one point. He was involved in, like, as a teenager, he was involved in, like, fucking gang shit, some drug deals, whatever. But my uncle had a kid very young and, like, snapped out of it quick. Just wanted to be, like, a respectable man, just do the right thing. You know what I mean? Right. And he's still that guy to this day. My uncle's been working the body shop since he was, like, uh, I might be getting the age wrong, but he's, like, 20. Right now he's in his, like, late 30s, mid-30s. And he's still, he's still like the guy who goes into the shop at 8 a.m., will stay there till fucking midnight if he has to, but he puts food on the table. You know what I'm saying? Right. But he learned from this dude, Alfred. 
fucking badass knowledge on painting. My uncle would teach it to me. When I was a teenager, my dad also had a car wash. And I would go work in the summer sometimes. And I and I'd get so just mad at the car wash. Like I hated it. I'm like, bro, anybody can just fucking rinse the car off, put the soap, like it was next door, like across the street from the body shop. So after work, we would go hang out at the body shop with everybody. I would tell my uncle, because I don't know if my dad was going to take me serious or not. I'd be like, can you teach me how to paint? I was like, I don't want to work over there. I was like, don't even pay me if you don't want. Just teach me how to paint. Have me over here. Like, I want to sand the cars. I want to fucking do real shit, you know? Yeah. So he'd teach me every now and then. As I got older, I'd spend a couple weekends over there at the body shop with my uncle, whatever. Um, after high school... While my dad was already locked up or whatever, my uncle, I guess, to, like, check on me, make sure I wasn't, like, getting sad or some shit, which he would just call me, kind of would give me a choice. He'd just be like, hey, I need help. Like, come help me out with her. I was like, all right. And, you know, I started getting good. I went to paint school for a while to get, like, certified. Those guys hooked me up with a job, like, at a better shop. My uncle, I would also cut hair. So my uncle would always be like, man, just be a barber. Like, you don't want to be in a fucking shop sweating your ass off, breaking your back, like, do something where you're going to be in the AC. You know what I mean? Like, work smarter, not harder. But I was, I eventually did that. But at the time, I'm like, I want to fucking learn this, you know? Like, yeah. let me do this. So I went and worked at a body shop. And I worked at one where this, this painter, man, I hate, not to talk down on another man, but that guy wasn't worth the fuck. Like, he was a cool painter, but he didn't care. So I was the paint prepper. You know, he what started, do you mean he didn't care? Like, he wasn't in there to do good work. He he was in there to just get his paycheck. And he wasn't even, like, there a lot of the time, man. Uh, you know, like, there's a lot of preparation that goes into painting a car. A lot of sanding. So you got to fucking sand and sand and sand and make sure you sand this. And then you got to clean it this way and make sure there's no, like, type of chemicals in the air. Like, you can't keep, like, the like armor all or anything they use for detail car. You can't have that in the same room you're painting in. You'll get a chemical reaction and your paint job will look like shit. Really? Yeah. It's like Just in the air? Yeah, there's tons of little details. Mechanic work and paint work cannot be in the same room. Really? Yeah, you just can't. You can't have it. You know what I mean? So, armor all just being in the room will fuck up your paint. Yeah, bro. If you like, let's That's say, wild. let's say you like sprayed some armor on some shit, or you wiped the car down, and you and you weren't supposed to, like, which is anything that was like cleaning product. It, it, you have to be careful what exactly you're using. So you're saying if the armor all contacted the paint. Physically. Nah, like even if it's just kind of like in the air. Yeah, I mean, at what least that's that? how well, careful we were. Like, what is that doing to you then? What do you mean? Have oh, you all like, the paint stuff. Oh, it's you killing you. Armor. <laughs> it's gotta be killing you. I mean, the paint is worse than the armor. We're like breathing in like primer. We're breathing in like bondo dust. Oh we're breathing God. in so much stuff. Is but, there a lot of people that have like lung problems that are painters? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even if you even if you don't like get the lung cancer, right? Let's say you live oh, a full life as a painter. Bro. They've done autopsies on painters. Their lungs are like different colors. Oh Jesus Christ! Really? Yeah, but like I mean, I'd rather have in different paint? colors than just you know nasty pink or whatever. What if you wear one of those Fauci masks? They what? they help. No, like definitely wear your mask, wear your gloves. <laughs> they help. But the shit is there. You know what You're I mean? Getting it in even through those crazy masks. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's no way. And then there's different masks. For, there's masks that will help you block the dust from like primer or like from the body filler but those masks aren't going to help you when it comes to paint and like vice versa oh so you gotta swap masks when you're sanding versus when you're painting yeah so i started getting pretty good as a painter when especially when i went to work at a shop where my uncle's not like babysitting me anymore now i'm like learning on my own and when i say on my own i mean like 
the way the reason I say that one painter wasn't worth the damn was because when you first work at a shop and you're trying to be a painter, you got to be a, like a paint a paint prepper or like a painter's apprentice for like a few years. So it's my job to like prepare the car, I, I, like every step of the way up until it's in the booth, taped up, ready to get painted. That's when the painter would just show up. I don't know. He's probably just been kicking it at the house all day. He'll show up, mix the paint, paint it, spray it, clear it, and he'd go home. Mm. So I've been prepping these cars for like days on end. I'm staying extra, you know. Every now and then, if it was a smaller piece, like a bumper or just like a like a small piece of the car, they just leave it up to me. They're like, well, you go ahead and knock it out. So I started getting good. There was a guy there. Man, I forget his name. Super cool-ass fucking guy who was just kind of like a shop hand, like, he he didn't really work on cars, but if you needed help, you know, sometimes you need help moving a fucking hood or a door, like right. just random shit. He was there, and he had a Buick, like a like it was his grandpa's Buick, like a '99, just regular Buick. And he was like, "Man, I want you to paint it. I want you to paint it." So I painted like half the car, cause it, it only the front end needed it. That was like my only, like, big paint job. I started getting good, but that's when I really jumped more into comedy so i just kind of quit and i did whatever i had to do to make sure comedy worked out and i went back to like cutting hair because it allowed me more time to jump to open mics quicker you know what was it how did you get on stage and what was like uh, the motivation like did your friends talk you into it is it something you always wanted to do i always wanted to do it you were always a fan of comedy yeah well like i wanted to be a comedic actor oh like movies and shit movies sketches snl some shit like that i loved like Chappelle show i loved anything with adam sandler I loved anything with just funny movies. And I was, even though I'm very mellow on stage, and I'm, 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 you know, I'm writing jokes and I make sure I say them right. Before that, I was like a goofy kid. And I think if I, once I'm comfortable with people, I'm still like the goofy guy. I'm doing impressions. I'm doing fucking voices. I'm, I'm a loud dude once I get super comfortable. But I have to get comfortable. You know what I mean? And so then, where was your first open mic? Uh, at Hyenas. Hyenas in Dallas? In Dallas. Nice. On a Wednesday night. I signed up at 5 p.m., went up at 1.30 a.m. Wow. Yeah. I got yelled at. There was there was <laughs> one comic that was up after me, and he was there. Or maybe two comics. There was two guys in there, but I know for sure one of those guys was after me. And I was like second to last or third to last, and the dude was like, get the fuck out of here already. He was like drunk. He's just mad. Oh, my God. I had three minutes. I did one and a half. Because once he yelled at me, I was like, all right, that's my time. Oh, my God. But that's the shit that I was, what we were talking about earlier is that, like, I saw how hard I bombed, and it was fucking devastating to get yelled at at 1.30 a.m. And, and just me and, and three, four people in the room that aren't even audience, just other open micers. And I, I and leaving, walking through the parking lot, I'm like, this isn't for me. This isn't for me. I just stick to my job. Like, okay, you know? But the next day when I'm fucking sanding a car for three hours straight, the whole time in my head, I'm just, like, thinking of... If I would have said it different, or if I would have said this instead, or what if I tried this on stage? Like my mind was always there, yeah. you know. So I just so I'd go back, but then I'd get discouraged again. Older dudes would scare me. I'm a, <laughs> bro. I'm a very introverted person. I've been breaking out of my shell more and more. You know, you kind of mm -hmm. have to in the comedy world. But I was so introverted. Right. And sometimes I'll tell people that they're like, "No, you're not," and it's like, "All right, I'm not. Whatever." But I am. Like to talk to people would feel like a tremendous fucking stress and fear. Like I freak out even till this day if I'm walking through the mall. And somebody who might be a fan or something is walking up to me and I see them walking. And the whole time in my head, I'm just like, oh, shit, oh, shit. Uh. And then they're like, what's up, man? Big fan. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Hey, what's up, bro? Like, Thanks, man. But as soon as it's over, I'm like, fucking thank God. Like, <laughs> But, yeah, man. So it, 
I don't know. So I, that's why I, I never really stuck to painting. Was comedy took over. Comedy so was. When like, did you start pursuing it full time? How many years in were you? Uh, so when I'm like 19, 18, I'm doing it once every few months. But once I was 20, I just every night didn't stop going. You know what I mean? Like just fuck it, like full blast. You yeah. Because I think that's when I finally got like a laugh. <laughs> Do you remember the the joke? Yeah, it wasn't even a joke. It was like just a reaction to the dude in the crowd, man. And that was like my first hard lesson in comedy. I I went up at a place called Backdoor Comedy where you have to be clean, which shout out to them. I feel like that's the place that really made me love comedy because you you can't even talk about like the restroom. So I feel like that forced me to really write, you know what mm. I mean? And get creative. Right, right, I'm right. I'm not a clean. So taking the easier way out. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a clean comic now. I feel like I feel like there's no set style I want to have. Like, if there's a joke that's dirty or cuss words, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If it's funny, it's funny. But that room, I was so nervous. I was like, I got to be clean. And it, it took place, the mic, the show, the little tiny, it's not even a club. It's just a room that used to be located inside the Hilton Doubletree. And the audience that would show for the, they'd get a real audience for the mic. But it was kind of like classier, uppity folk, a lot of white people with money, which intimidated the fuck out of me. I was never used to leaving my own little circle. And as I was walking up to the stage, there was this dude, this is so, like older white guy in a button down, he had his arms crossed, and that guy just scared the shit out of me. He, there was, I had a neighbor who every time I walked by his house, if he happened to see me or just kids, he'd stare really hard. Like, I'm pretty sure he was a little racist, you know? He'd just stare, <laughs> like, making sure we didn't take nothing from his yard. He'd just stare. He didn't care if you saw him. He had a glass door. He would stand behind the glass door just, like, mm. fucking staring hard. And he looked like that guy to me. So as I walked up, I just I just looked at that guy. I didn't think about my jokes. I didn't think about nothing. I was like, man, this dude looks like he caught the cops on me already. <laughs> and the audience laughed. And the first lesson was, like, just fucking, you know, say what you're going to say. Be vulnerable, be honest. Yeah. And that was like my first little lesson. Like, it worked, you know? So then you start feeling it. Yeah. yeah. I, after I got that laugh, it wasn't even like a huge laugh where they're going to clap, but it was a laugh. Something. But something. you know, that first time yeah. you get a laugh, it feels like you just destroyed the room. Like, yeah. And after, after that, I'd get a little better. I was able to deliver for a minute, and then I was able to deliver for two. And my they'd give you three minutes at that mic. So then two minutes would go good, and then three, and then, then I'd have like a killer three. Linda Stogner, the owner of that place, started letting me host the weekends with just three minutes. Ooh. But there's like, it's like a showcase style room, and there's tons of comics. The show would go on for like two hours, and there's just so many comics. And, you know, just, I just, I'd, I'd, I'd take it. I'd host for three minutes, and then I'd, the, the next fucking two hours, just, you know, I'd do my three minute set, and then the next two hours, just host, you know, remember people's credits, whatever. Right. But yeah, I loved it, man. I also just love going to different clubs. I feel like Dallas was too small of a scene for people to click up, but they did. They'd be like, "Nah, that's a hyenas comic, or that's a Dallas comedy club comic." And really? there was, yeah, there were, and then you know, Dallas comedy club was maybe where you'd go if you were a little more like on the woke side, not necessarily too woke, but you know, you were a little cleaner, a little friendlier. Hyenas was where you'd go if you just wanted to say some shit, get a little more raunchy. Backdoor yeah. was definitely like where I feel like. A lot of good fucking like comics would go on the weekend. Sometimes people would just pop in because they'd happen to have some extra time on the weekend. Um, but I liked going to all of them, man, because all of them you had shit to learn. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's good to get a variety in. It's so silly to think of yourself as a I'm a this club comic. Guess we kind of used to do that with the comedy store. 
But but even then, it's like you still did. Even at the comedy spots. store, I've seen. I mean, I, I didn't, you know, I've never lived in LA, but I've been in there tons of times just to watch and shit. You know, mm-hmm. even there, you get a variety of comics who have different styles. Oh, and that's yeah. what I fucking love. There's yeah, this Bruce that's... Lee movie. I don't remember the movie, but I saved the video. I have like screen recorded on my phone, and sometimes I watch it on the plane when it's airplane mode. I have a video where uh, he's talking to like you know like a grandmaster type dude, and he's questioning Bruce Lee. And that fucking that one quote, I feel like, just applies so much to not only comedy but everything. He's he asked Bruce Lee, he's like, "What is the highest technique you hope to achieve?" And Bruce Lee's like, "To have no technique." I was like, "Bro, that's fucking it right there. Like mm. that's 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 the thing. You know what I mean? To yeah. be like, I get it. A clean comic is a clean comic, and they're funny, whatever. Right? Some people only want clean comedy, and a dirty comic is funny as fuck. Some people only want that. But to be able to do everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to not subject yourself to one style of comedy, like that's fucking hilarious. Yeah, that's the the beauty of having to do like a clean set for television. Is that you do have to work on it, and mm-hmm. you do have to. And sometimes when you're working on stuff like that. It's uh, there's a good it's a good exercise in being locked into a rigid structure where you can't say you can't talk about blowjobs you can't talk about anything crazy you you have like a FCC set of rules or whatever it is when you you do that it forces you to think of alternative ways for things to be funny other than going to like a cheap laugh yeah you know sometimes the cheap laughs are the funniest. Though that's the problem, like Joey Diaz, like he's got great, great punchlines, but great timing. But it's also he will he will go for it wherever it is. He doesn't give a. It's just like what is the funniest fucking thing to say right now? I'm going for that. Yeah. Like there's no thought of like Joey would never do a clean TV set. Yeah. It would be hell. <laughs> like you can't do that to Joey. Like Joey's got to be wild and like for him to be locked into a TV set. That isn't. That's not the way. For him. Mm-mm. But also for him, he's the funniest. I've never seen anybody funnier in my life. In all the people I've seen murder, all the uh, Chappelle and Chris Rock and Shane Gillis and fuck, all the murderers. Joey Diaz in the original room at like 11.30 p.m. on a fucking Wednesday night or something like that has made me laugh harder than anybody. <laughs> anybody. I, I, I mean, there was like... Six, seven comics in the back room at one point in time. He was doing this bit about Terry Crews, about so that agent who grabbed Terry Crews's dick. Yeah. And, and J- Terry Crews was his, uh, shaking his big dick in his underwear and the, those commercials that he did. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy was going crazy. Bro, we were falling on the ground laughing. We couldn't breathe. He <laughs> just, he hits RPMs. You know, like a lot of people redline at like 7,000, 8,000. It's really funny. It's great. But Joey gets to like nine. (laughs) And you're like, holy shit, man. I've never got to see him live, but I I want to. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He still has it. He came to the mothership. Yeah, yeah. He only did one show. I I I love people like that, too, that are funny as fuck on stage and off stage. Uh, Well, that was the thing about Joey. It's like when I brought him on the road... I brought him on the road for two reasons. One, because I love him. And two, because he's really funny and it challenges me. Like, I, I was going on after him. But also, he's funny all the time. Like, he's funny when you're at dinner. He's funny in the green room. We're just, it's a party. Joey brings the party. So when we would all go on the road together, it was just fun. It was family yeah. together, you know, like Hell fucking yeah. Vin Diesel would say. <laughs> family. <laughs> Like, but it was like that. It was like we were we were good friends, so we were just having a great time, 
you know, me and Ari and Duncan and Joey, and we're we're in these different fucking towns, but it's always us. Fuck so we're yeah. always laughing. You know, we're in the fucking hotel lobby, just sitting on the couches, laughing at two o'clock in the morning, just cracking jokes and laughing, just hanging out. That's what I like about, I guess, traveling with my buddies from home. I do feel bad sometimes. I'm like, man, I should I should give somebody else a chance, like a local. I know sometimes they want to hop on the show, and for the most part. I give guest spots like crazy if people ask. There's I go I go five six cities in a row where like maybe nobody's really fucking with me in that city or nobody's really trying to ask for a guest spot or maybe they ask the club. I don't know if the club's selling yes or no. But if you ask me like you're there, yeah, I don't even have to watch your set, bro. Like if you're a comic who's taking the chance, oh, you should have never said that. I should have never said that. Now I'm gonna get bugged that. like crazy. Oh my well, god, you're gonna I get also, annoyed by people that shouldn't be on stage. I also just stopped, you know, checking social media. So, <laughs> <laughs> so good luck finding you. But yeah, but yeah. for the most part, man, when there's people that are like, uh, uh, well, it's also the way they ask, man. I don't want, like some people be like, "What's up, bro? Let me hop on. What the fuck?" I'm like, "Bro, who the fuck are you? Like, don't right. be talking to me like that. I don't know you. You ain't boys like that." But for the most part, like there'd be comics that are like, "Hey, man, like." Any chance I could do some time on your show, big fan, whatever, or like, you know, if you have room, if not, fuck it. I'll be like, yeah, bro, hop on. You know what I mean? I'm, I might not be able to give you a, like a full seven, maybe do a five or something. It depends who's, who else is with me. But yeah, bro, I'm, I'm down. Or even if I run into people that I that I already have met before or I feel like they're working at it or they're pretty funny, like I'll offer them some stage time. Even if the guys who are already with me have to do less time, they're pretty cool about like, fuck it. They're not greedy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, like. The main two guys that have been with me, my buddy Jesus Castillo and Luis Juarez, they're comics out of Dallas. When I was early on, they were already kind of on and popping within Texas. So they'd take me to, like, open up in San Antonio or Abilene or Houston, you know, if they get a one night here or there. So those are dudes who are on the road with me now. And sometimes they might tell me, like, hey, bro, like, is there any chance I could do a longer set? Like, I haven't really got a long set in a while, and, you know, I want to fucking feel it because maybe they got a headline gig coming up and right. they've only been doing 10 15 for the last month or two like right so yeah sometimes then i'll be like all right well fuck it you know let me close this show out it's only you two each does 20 if you want to go over fuck it this crowd's gonna have fun either way right um but yeah if i if i can man like i'm i'm down to share the stage bro like that's great that's great look it's in best case scenario it's all i mean i met a lot of great friends doing the road where I'd never seen him before. Tom Segura. I did a show with him in um, Phoenix. Never saw him before. And uh, he went up. He went up first, and he was hilarious. And I said, hey, man, where are you working out of? And we started talking. I said, I want to take you on the road. And he was like, Pfft. like he didn't believe it. And then I called him up the next week. I'm like, come on, man. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go have some fun. And um, we were like best friends now. I'm, I love that dude to death. He's out here, too. Yeah. He I, moved out here first. He was one of the first. Yeah. Hinchcliffe was first. Well, Ron White was here before all of us. Ron White had told me about He had already moved before the pandemic. Oh, shit. Because I fucking love Austin. Austin's a shit. He goes, I got to travel, do all my gigs. It's in the middle of the country. Yeah. I was like, man, I don't know if I could live in Austin. That's what I was thinking back then. Like, you know, I'm in LA. Like, my podcast is there. The store is there. Jiu-Jitsu's there. I don't know if I could leave yet. But then the pandemic hit. And I was like, what? I got to get the fuck out of here. And Ron was already here. And so when we first came down, you know, Ron had told me, like, where to go, what's the cool spots. And I'd been here a few times before doing stand-up over the years, you know. Never really spent, like, a lot of time here. But then uh, when I decided to move, I was telling everybody, I was like, fuck that place, man. Like, I'm thinking about opening a club. <laughs> and I first started, op I, I, I got this place that was run by a cult. 
the first building I got was this building called the One World Theater. And it's a theater that- there's <laughs> That's a, such a cult-ass name, too. Such a cult-ass name. But that, I think they named it that after the cult left. So one of the guys that was in the cult actually still owned it. So what had happened was this dude ran a cult in West Hollywood. And uh, he's this really beautiful, handsome yoga guy. And, he, you know, he was a hypnotist and a gay porn star. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. So this dude runs this cult in West Hollywood. And then Waco pops off. And the Cult Awareness Network is like, they're like now investigating cults. And there's a bunch of family members that have been complaining about this cult. So this dude, in the middle of the night, fucking jets and takes off across the country and moves to Austin. <laughs> and then has all the and changes his name and has all the cult members eventually come out here and he wants them to build a theater so that he can dance in front of them. Oh, and that's the place I bought. Yeah, yeah, bro. <laughs> and I bought it because Ron, what Ron was, you should buy that place owned by the cult. It's the shit. I did stand up there once. It's fucking beautiful. So you know, Ron White's the man. So he tells me I should buy that place. I'm like, all right, that'd probably be the perfect spot. And so we were in the middle of this whole thing, but it all fell apart. There was some there was some issues that had to be dealt with that weren't dealt. I don't think, I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about them, so I won't. But the point is that was the original spot, and that fell apart. And then it was like a long time to try to find another spot. And then Ron White was like, and then he grabbed me after I did that set with him at the Vulcan. He's like, "Whatever the fuck we have to do, we're doing this." I was like, "Okay, let's go." Do you and ever then, wonder if like? Ron White isn't real. He's just a figment of your imagination. Like he's your conscience. <laughs> no, Ron, Ron White is <laughs> nah, a, that's a real dude. That's a real dude. I love that guy. Well, you need, yeah, man. He's our he's our like elder statesman of stand up. You know, everybody loves Ron White. Like, yeah. oh, there's no Ron White haters out there. Ron White is amazing. He's just a beautiful person too. He's just everything. He's just great. Every time I see him, I can't wait to hug him. He's great. And he's at the club all He'll probably be there tonight if he's in town. He's there all the time. He does weekends here sometimes. He does, you know, headlines on weeknights sometimes, you know. And that's what made him decide to go back on the road again, which is exciting. Because I've, nev I've never seen him better. He's as good as he's ever been. He's if a you could watch straight-up killer. If you could watch one last set, like this was your last set before you just disappeared. Of anybody? Of alive? anybody alive. Like It'd probably be Joey. Joey, I was about to ask you, Joey or Ron? It, well, either one. Boy, a show with Joey and Ron would be the perfect way to get out yeah. of this world. See that? Yeah, that's cool, man. That's a cool. That's a cool thing to know. Well, Joey, I love him so much. You know, it's not just that. I think he's the funniest guy ever. It's just I love that dude so much. I'd probably go out watching an open mic. You know what I mean? Go out the way you came in. <laughs> Go out watching someone bomb. I feel like this is horrible. Goodbye. I can't watch open mics bomb. Nah? I can't. I got to get out of the room. I feel like it's contagious. Like when I would go on the road and I'd have a terrible opening act, it's always, always in Florida. Florida. <laughs> bro, they would throw people up. that like they'd been doing stand-up for five minutes. They'd never done stand-up before. It's like they're, these people were terrible. So many of these clubs, they, they were so bad. And I would be in the green room and I'd peek my head out and I'd watch this dude just eat shit. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to get in my own head. I can't pay attention to that. Because <laughs> I would try to pay attention to make sure that they're not talking about stuff that I talk about. You know, yeah. I don't want to cover the same ground. So I'd like listen to the opening act to try to figure out like, oh, he talked about that movie. I can't talk about that movie. Let, yeah. me, let me adjust my set. But they were so bad I had to hide. Yeah. I'm like, I just got to be in this fucking room by myself. I got to listen to music or something. <laughs> I can't do this, man. I think it's contagious. Like you, you start thinking nothing's funny. There's nothing funny in the world. Nothing's I, funny. Yeah. This guy's not funny. I feel that. 
But if someone's funny, then you feel like, oh, good, I'm loose now. They're they're out, they're laughing. I'm laughing. Everyone's having a good time. I also try not to listen too much to other comics before I start trying to write in their voice or something like that. Right. You know what I mean? Well, that was a real problem in the come up, right? When people are on their way up, a lot of people in New York sound exactly like David Tell. Mm. You know, there was a lot of this. There was a lot of punchlines. It's kind of like Dave, and it's just because his rhythm is so funny. It's so in fact, he's so he's such a virtuoso that when he's on stage, it's so smooth and it just it goes into this. He's got this flow to him that's so contagious, and so you want to be funny too. You're like, maybe I need to talk <laughs> like that. I need to talk like Dave. There's a, a lot of guys who get caught up in other people's. I did it for a while. I, I caught myself on stage once when I was an open micer. I sounded exactly like Richard Jenny. I was a giant Richard Jenny fan. And I sounded like, I was doing like his timing. Like his, it was like, cadence, uh, I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but I, re I realized it while I was doing it. I was like, yuck. Don't do that. I feel like a lot of the comedians I see in New York would talk very fast. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of tried to do that, but, and I, and I tried to do that when I first started doing stand-up too. I'd be so nervous. I'm just trying to get it out already. Yeah. But I can't talk that fast. And some people will get mad. I, I, those are some of the, like, that's some of the feedback I've gotten back on stand-up. It's like, ah, it's just too slow for me. <laughs> but I can't talk that fast because I won't be able to enunciate. And I think it's because my tongue is like kind of big. Like I got like this white ass tongue. So this guy, Hey, I bet you if he sees he's gonna he's gonna freak out. He loves like the credit. There's a guy named Bobby Goldsmith in Dallas who would go to the back door open mic a lot. And one time he told me he was like, "Hey man, you're like you're funny. You have good material." He's like, "But the audience doesn't know it because you're talking too fast and the, you you don't enunciate." He's like, "Slow mm. down." He's like, "Talk slow." He's like, "Talk slow." And so I just I just fuck it like. I just put the nerves to the side. Yeah. I just said the jokes as if I was reading them off a of paper. And I started getting more laughs. And I was just like, man, like, now I'm kind of finding my timing with it. But, like, I'll never be able to talk super fast. You won't fucking understand. You know? Some dudes mumble. And then when they get on stage, they mumble. Like, Ari used to mumble. And it was hard to understand. What the, I go, dude, I don't know what the fuck you're saying, and I'm your friend. <laughs> I go, you got to clean those words up. Yeah. Make those words real clear. These people don't know you. Yeah. Like, you're a professional orator. I, Stop mumbling. I feel like I'm still learning how to hold the mic. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'm like 30 minutes into a set, and I just angle it up a bit. I'm like, that sounds better. <laughs> Oh, you f switch hands? I used to only have to hold it in my right hand. Now it seems like I don't want to use my right hand anymore. I want to hold it with my left. And I switch back and forth like, for like years. I'll, I only I'll held switch it with sometimes, my right hand. but yeah, I can't. I, I have to hold it in my left. That's the other That's thing weird. about Joey. He's the funniest guy ever that just leaves the mic in the stand. Oh, never, man. Never I, takes the mic out of that stand. People always like hype up the chair. Like, don't get me wrong, Ali Sadiq, that's one of my all-time favorite comics. I think that dude's fucking hilarious, right? But people hype up the chair. They're like, oh, so tough to sit in the chair. Like, you got to <laughs> figure it out. Like, not just anybody can sit in the chair. You know, it's only Cosby and Ali that could figure that out. But I think, like, funny's funny. When you're funny's when you're listening funny. to a comedy album, you're not like, oh, yeah, he's in the chair. I Yo, can tell. Brian, yeah? Brian Simpson sits in that chair all the time and murders. Right? But that is that is one, like, 
fucking thing that I feel like I just can't do is leave the mic in the stand. I've tried that. I fucking bomb. I don't know what <laughs> it is. I can't. I can't leave the mic in the stand. Joey uses both hands. He's got both hands going on. You know, so he likes that fucking mic in the stand, cocksucker. See, some people got my buddy Hyman. I grew up with this. My childhood best friend, goofiest fucking guy I've ever met. To me, this is like the funniest dude alive. Just some goofy nerd. Like, not, not to talk too much shit on my buddy Hyman, but just goofy in the face. Like, right. just, uh, we took, a, I took him with me when I did Bobby Lee's podcast, and Bobby Lee was instantly like, who the fuck's this guy? And just fell in love with him instantly, like, started fucking with him and shit. So I, I, I know that he's always wanted to do stand-up. He's, he's a comedy nerd. He's the one that really taught me how to, like, love comedy. We'd watch movies, shows, and he'd be laughing his ass off at shit that most people don't realize that that's an intentional joke, like, in a right. show, right? We had like a falling out, and when things started popping off for me with comedy, we still weren't talking. But then we, we, you know, started talking again. Whatever. He's a photographer, a videographer back home for like nightclubs, very much in like the bar scene. So I tell him like, "Hey man, like, come on the road with us. Just take pictures, record my set, so I can keep getting clips. Like, you know, if you want to." He'd be like, "Yeah, fuck it." He'd come every now and then. Then he started coming just every weekend, and I'd be like, "Go do five minutes." Like, fuck it, just do three minutes, do three minutes, whatever. Like, tell a story, you know, tell, tell them what we did last night when we went out in Chicago or something. And, uh, man, it, just, it would just fucking go well. I've never, like, I'm not even trying to hype this dude up too much, but I've never seen somebody go up on their first time and get that many laughs. Not saying he had a fucking, like, just destroyed the room, but to get heavy, like, laughs that heavy on their first time. I'm like, bro, you know, there's something there. Like, you're a true fucking comedy fan. You're like a comic at heart. Like, just keep fucking trying it. I was like, I'll keep throwing you up on stage. That's beautiful. But, you know, I also told him, like, Is he still won't... doing it? Yeah. He's been doing it a few months now. But I tell him, like, you got to hit mics though when we're at home. Like, I'm not just going to fucking right. throw you on stage so you can get babied by my crowds. Because, you know what I mean? That's, That's kind of, he's got even more of a lucky break than you got. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you're throwing him up in front of packed houses. Yeah. Yeah. But he'll go up there and won't take the mic out of the stand sometimes and i get so jealous ah! i'm like you're fucking you're doing good this early on and you're not taking the fucking mic out like oh man That's and he was up there like he looked so cool he looked like fucking norm mcdonald with his body moves he's like da, 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 da. well he's a comedy fan you know so if you're a comedy fan you're watching like uh do you know eleanor kerrigan no nah, she's nah. hilarious she opens up for dice clay all the time okay and she was a waitress at the comedy store forever forever we always knew her as a waitress and then uh, she was a pro wrestler for a while. She did like pro wrestling. We all went to see her. Yeah, she yeah. was at the forum. She was an uh, easy rider. <laughs> that she was her wrestling name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, she was like a motorcycle lady. She would fucking crush a pool ball in her hand in the oh, fucking shit. intro video. It was hilarious. She's really funny. But anyway, and then she started doing stand up. And we were like, oh, you were always a comic. You just never did it. Yeah. And she's great. She headlines now. Fucking bad. It's like, but we, we knew her for like 10 years. As just the cool waitress. She was just our friend. Man. Our friend, the cool waitress. But she was always like a good judge of talent. You know, someone come in from out of town. She was like the first person I'd some, go to. Yeah, some people know, man. Yeah. Some people go, can how, was that, how was that guy? She's like, pretty good. Really, he's good. He's real. I or, don't even think I have like that eye. Like to be able to see somebody early on and be like, nah, they, I think they got something. Or maybe but later she, on. If they make you laugh. If they make you laugh, they got something. You know, they yeah. have, you're like, okay, you got something. You got something. Yeah. You know? But sometimes, man, I don't know. You ever do that thing where you're watching a, a comic 
And even though they say something hilarious, sometimes you don't laugh. You're just fucking thinking about what they said, like dissecting it. Oh, yeah. But then there's people who do just make me laugh. And I'm like, holy fuck, I couldn't even think about it. Like, I didn't even have time to think about it. It just made me laugh. Yeah, there's some guy, like, when Hicks came along, you know, Hicks came along now. And all of a sudden, everybody wanted to say something. It was so interesting. Because before that, like, even Richard Jenny, he said, I remember he was talking about watching Hicks. He goes, every time I watch Hicks, I I keep thinking... God, I should, I should be doing more like that or something. I should really say something. Because he would just say shit. This is, you got to realize, Hicks is before the internet, okay? This is, Hicks was huge in like 88 to, when did he die? I think he died in like 93. When did Hicks die? Mm-hmm. I think it was actually 95, because I think I'd already made my way. 94? Right. right. So I'd already made my way to California when I heard that he died. Yeah, be careful with this thing. I feel like I'm a... Now flip the top. Push the top up. This thing? Yeah, push oh. that over. There you go. Ah. Now hit that thing. There you go. Technology. It's crafty. Shout out to Calibri. Um, But Hicks was... Uh, so this was like... There was no podcast back then. There was no audio books. So when Hicks was talking about shit, he was he had like a different base of knowledge that he was working from than most comics. He was like really well read. He would quote Noam Chomsky. You know, he would he he had material that was like who's big. that Noam Chomsky? He's a linguist who is uh, a, a, f- a very famous public intellectual used to have like debates with people on television he's like one of the most measured and interesting people from like the 1960s and the 1970s on foreign policy and uh, all kinds of uh, interesting interesting things but the point is like hicks had this he knew more about more things than other comics did and when he talked about things when he talked about like the scams of war and you know, and what the fuck is going on in, in society. It was like, wow, this guy's like super insightful. And then everybody wanted to be so insightful too. So there was a bunch of hick clones. So there was a, it, the punchline in Atlanta, there was a green room and a bunch of people signed the walls in the green room and shit, you know? You know how those are. Yeah. And then this one thing just said, quit trying to be hicks. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And when Jamie moved the club, he said he was going to save that for him. But I don't know what happened with that. I'm like, that would be a beautiful piece of ancient comedy history you yeah know? you gotta be you yeah but that was he, there was a lot of hicksy clones a lot of guys who wanted everybody to think they were really smart but hicks was really smart like he wasn't trying to get people to think he was really smart he was really smart and he just like had thoughts that he wanted to get out and there was no podcast back then so all his thoughts he had to like all his ideas and philosophy he had to get out in comedy so it was like deeper than other comedians. It was it was very interesting, and you know some comics think it wasn't as funny as other comics. Like, okay, yeah, he's not not as funny as Kinnison, but he had he had some fascinating points that made you think, and you left the show, and you like you were more uh, you were stimulated in different ways. It was interesting and it was funny. It was very interesting though. That's that's a fucking that's what like we were talking about earlier. That's a dope part about comedy and watching different people's style if you're like sure. a true comedy fan but you can appreciate different forms of funny yeah i love all kinds of funny i love like jim gaffigan funny i love nate bargazzi both of those guys are squeaky clean brian regan's hilarious squeaky clean you can take your grandma to see brian regan you know you never have to worry about nothing 
and hilarious, and they murder. I would, like, I try, I try not to watch too much stand up. I feel like all I, all I'm doing is stand up. I don't want. I love it. I'm like obsessed with it. But sometimes, you know, you you still need like other shit. Yeah. Right. But I could sit down for hours on YouTube, watch the same videos over and over again. Like the two comics that I feel like, even if I never got to see anybody else perform, but if I just these two comics alone, Dave Chappelle and Mitch Hedberg. Oh yeah. Those two are like that's it. That's it for me. I well, could... they both move at a slower pace too, which like fits your style. You know. I can see that. And Mitch Mitch Hedberg was, he was so good at non sequiturs. You have one non sequitur into another non sequitur. In my opinion, that's like the purest form of joke telling. Yeah. There's yeah. just all jokes. The only information in what he's saying is for the joke. Yes. Like there's no right. There's nothing to even learn from it. Nothing. Just yeah. jokes. Just pure yeah. for the sake of the laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like right now, in the setup I'm doing right now on the road, my first 10 minutes are like that. And then the rest is me just kind of, I don't know, still working out the rest. <laughs> <laughs> but some of it could, could, I, could t- I could talk about some shit that some people take serious. But even on the shit that, that I, like if I talk about an issue, it's never like a, let me, like it's never like a smart thing, because it, it, I, I mean, I'm still learning a lot of shit. So I feel like my comedy is very much just me being like, "Yo, I don't know what the fuck this is about, but here's what I think." Like I don't yeah. know, you know? Right? Like Latino Republicans look weird. Yeah, like that's just <laughs> what I think. It just looks weird, man. What the fuck? <laughs> You're allowed to have those opinions, man. Right? They need to relax. Yeah. Cubans are feisty people, though. People message me sometimes, like, "You have a platform." Oh, you got to be careful. You oh, got to use a platform for good. Oh, no, you no, don't. No, I don't. My no, platform's no. for joking. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> don't tell me how to use my platform. Yeah, you get, you get a platform. Go talk yeah. to a politician. I don't exactly. Know. You can't tell someone what they have to use their platform for. Shut your mouth. People are crazy. Yeah, that's not your job. Also, like, I'm not even saying the shit I'm saying is, like, right or wrong. I could be fucking up. We'll see. You know, You're trying the, to be funny. Yeah. That's it. In the years to come, we'll see the mistakes I'm making. But I'm letting you know right now, I'm definitely making some mistakes out yeah. here. Like, fuck, get off my back. Bro, Woman. we're still making mistakes. Man. Every time I have a new bit, I'm making mistakes. Yeah. Every time I'm working on a new bit, it's like, where is this thing going? Got to try it a bunch of different ways. In some ways, you're like, yikes. <laughs> yeah. can't do it that way. <laughs> That's fucking, t- it sounds terrible. Back up. Don't say it that way. I like you. That's your, that's your waiting ring? Yeah, so it's uh, silicone. You're one of those dudes. You, you wear jewelry at all or not? Um, I'll wear, I have a real ring. Anytime I see a dude with like those rings, I'm like, that guy knows how to fight. <laughs> that guy knows jujitsu or something, you know? That's, have you ever seen what happens to, when you get your finger caught in your ring and doing something like jujitsu? Uh-uh. It's called sheathing. It's a she- horrible injury. Sheathing? Sheathing, Ooh. where it takes the skin off of the meat of the bone. So the meat and the skin pull up, and the wedding ring digs right down into the bone and tears everything apart. Oh, shit, bro. See that? That's what happens with wedding ring injuries. What is that white? Is that like a string? The ligament. The ligament? Oh, that's a ligament? Yeah. I thought they tied it up. That shit is gone, son. And there's a a bunch. I know a dude who had that happen. Uh, It was a wedding ring. He was doing jujitsu. He had his wedding ring on. Shouldn't have got married. (sighs) Shouldn't have worn a fucking stupid-ass ring. Should have just done jujitsu. Mine is uh, silicone, but I have a regular one too. But this is like if I do, I could lift weights with this. You know, do you, do do you wear the regular one when you go out, like to yeah, dinner or something like good. that? Yeah, Rolex, nice ring. Yeah. Right. I I like I don't know. I bought this little chain. 
I always wanted like a little gold chain. That's a nice size gold chain. It's yeah, I think pretty. It's, it I think it's good. flexy enough. Yeah, it's, it's Some, got a little case. You know what I mean? Sure. I am gonna buy a big one eventually, like a rapper, like just fucking big huge. fat one. Yeah, and yeah. I and I will wear it to like a club one night and just whoa, let the ego come out a bit. But I feel like <laughs> I feel like I try I try my best not let to let the ego come out. Yeah, what's the ego? You know, like the ego, like your ego, like something. I don't know. I guess like it just depends. Yeah, sometimes show your feathers. I want to show my feathers. I get it. I never been like a nightclub guy, like to go out. I used to go with my buddy when we were younger, and he started doing the videography and shit. But there was a comedy club down the street from like the club scene in Dallas. So whenever the shows would be done, whatever, I'd walk down the street, just dressed like just left Walmart or some shit, and I'd just help my buddy carry like camera equipment or just hang out with him, have a beer, and I'd I'd see guys. Just flexing hard, you know, local dope dealers or guys that work mm-hmm. nine to fives, but they're in there just trying to show out, you know. And right. it's crazy. It's crazy that that's the place to like fucking prove yourself. And everybody wanted to be in there, man. Like that club culture was fucking nuts to me. I'd, I'd stand outside with this guy named Jojo. He's a door guy. He looks like a Buddha, huge. He's a, he's Mexican, but his eyes they can't even open anymore. <clears throat> they gave him a hoodie with a Buddha on it, and it said Jojo staff. And there'd be guys just trying to come in, like, what's up, bro? Like, can you, I'll give you a hundred bucks, you let us in. And they'd be like, all right, well, you guys get in. And then sometimes they'd leave a guy behind. I remember there was a guy, every, like, every hour, there was one guy, at least for every hour, that they'd be like, well, not you, because last week you were in here starting shit. And they'd be like, come on, man, come on, man, let me in. And his boys would leave him behind. I'm like, first of all, why do you hang out with these people? They just left you literally out in the cold. You could see our breath. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Go to another club. Go find new friends. Like, That's crazy. And they, and they sit there like, come on, man, come on, man. It's like crazy that they want to be in there. And then when they're in there, it's all about the guy who has the section, the piece of floor that's elevated Six inches higher than the rest of it on oh, the couch. Oh, like bottle service. Bottle service. The guy who has a mm. bottle. The guy showing up. People start throwing money in there, right? And I was in there. I was, you know, I was in there like a nobody, just watching. Like I just watched. I'm like, what the fuck? What is it? And then one day, uh, we started. I started getting to tour. Like, oh, is my shit still here? Yeah, you got it. We started getting to tour of October 2022, right? I didn't go out and do nothing like that. If I would go out, I'd go to dive bars. I started going to bars in New York with my buddies out there. Just fucking dive bars. I fell in love with that shit. Drinking in some place, some shitty place until 4 a.m. It was fun. <laughs> but on New Year's was my first show back home. And it was my first time settling out back home. And just, I was like, I'm going to get it out. I'm going to do that, what I saw them do, and how they used to shit on me. I'm going to do that tonight, on New Year's night. I'm going to go to a club with my friends. I'm going to get a bottle, and I'm going to just go all out, see what see what it feels like. <laughs> and it was, it was fucking awesome for like an hour. And then people start trying to, like, test you. And I'm like, nah, bro. I'm not, I'm not fit to get into shit over... This fucking six by six foot piece of real estate that I'm never going to own. Like, How are they just, testing you? Oh, they start trying to stand on your section. So you're standing on the main floor. Right. But if you take one step back, you're six inches elevated on this right. other little platform here. Right. Which is my section that I paid like 300 bucks for for the night. And you got to like tell them, like, bro, get off my section. Or you just get, you just get more strangers on your section. Oh, no. Right. And they're doing it on purpose. Cause it's like this ego, like I'm the man in here. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, so it was fun for a minute, but I'm like, nah, 
I'd rather not do that, dude. I'd rather not do that. So after that, I, I, if I do go to clubs or bars, I'll never buy a section again. I'm not going to pay extra money for elevated floor just so people can fucking try to, like, I'm the man, I'm the man. Like, if I'm going to go out there, I'm going to just get drunk, might do some shrooms. I'm going to have a good time no matter where the fuck I'm at. Like, I think you're better off in a dive bar with your sensibilities. Yeah. This, the, the reason why people do that is because they don't have other things going on. The reason why someone wants to be the guy with the corner or he's six inches elevated and wear all the gold chains and the big watch and all the jewelry and shit, it's because that's like the way you stand out. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, though. I'm still going to go back and shit on these people. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But I'll tell you how I'm going to do it. How you going to do it? I'm going to buy the 1989 Michael Keaton Batmobile. And when they see me pulling up to that in the club or leaving in that, how can you top that? You did whatever you had to do in the club. You threw your money. You looked good for the night. But your girl's probably going to want to go home with Batman, you know? <laughs> I bet that car drives like shit. Probably, but What it does that car cool. look like? Pull up the Michael Keaton Batmobile. I don't even remember what it looked like. Is that what it looks like? Yeah. I'll paint it myself, oh, that, too. That's that been actually, one of my dreams is to paint the Batmobile. All right, I take it back. That looks pretty dope. Pretty sick, right? That thing's amazing. That's amazing. Does someone make that? Oh, someone makes that. That's at the Peterson. God made it. LA. Yeah, but I bet you get someone to that's make that. That's what it is. Bro, that's what you should do. Don't buy that Impala. one. Impala. They would never sell that one. It's a 67 Impala? Okay. Well, it's based off of it. Bro, yeah. drives oh, like shit. shit. I love Impalas. I never knew. No wonder I like that it. thing drives like shit. You got to put a... <laughs> you got to do something with that suspension. You got to send that shit to Roaster Shop. I bet Roaster Shop could make you a Batmobile. Yeah? 100%. I'm down. Or someone like that, like someone who does like custom work... There's some dudes out there. Look at those buttons. Pure right. vision. I could see uh, Steve Strope making something <laughs> Can you something go back like to the to the buttons, the panel? One time, one time I, I, it was like my first time going to Las Whoa. Vegas. And it was also fun. my first like heavy, heavy mushroom trip. I got Ooh. in the front seat of a taxi cab because my friends are big guys like on the heavy side. Right. So I couldn't fit in the back with them. I got in the front. And I was just tripping really hard. The whole front looked like all that. It's tripping hard. In the taxi cab? In the taxi cab. Oh, so like the CB radio and all that yeah, shit? Yeah, it looked like you were in the Millennium Falcon almost. Mm. Yeah, whenever I look at a, a pilot, like if you get to look and you get on a plane, you peek through where the pilots are, see all that shit they got? Yeah, Imagine got if you, the pilot died and you had to figure those things out. Mm-mm. There's all these buttons I'm up dying. here and buttons down there. Fuck. That's too many buttons. Too many buttons. How do they... I, I always like... Every time a pilot lands, I'm, I'm like, you can't see that... like. I don't know, man. Pilots landing scare the shit out of me. It should. Flying just scares the shit. Out of me. I do want to learn to fly though, but I want those little boat, the little ones that you can land on water. Oh. <laughs> but I heard those crash a lot. I bet they do. I bet they do. I've re- re- flown in those before. You, you, but have you flown one? No, like no, that? no. I've a pas- been a passenger in one of those. Is it before. scary? Is it a bumpy? Is it a bumpy ride? Yeah, they- we got we flew into Alaska and landed on a lake. Oh shit! Yeah, we we're camping in uh, Prince Edward's Island. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Is there an actual prince on that island? I don't think so. If he is, he's dead. It rains there like every day. Every day of the year. Basically That's... every day of the year. <laughs> Do you ever... I think it rains like 300 days a year or something crazy like that. Do you that. ever hate when you're like out and about and it's raining? I like rain, but I like it when I'm home. Well, one thing that rain does do for you, if you spend a week in the rain, when you get back home, especially like somewhere like California where it's like sunny, it's like, oh my God, it feels amazing. It feels amazing. Like, you don't know what the sun really feels like until you've been, like, dumped on in a tent every day for a week. Uh, all right. 
It's you're so cold. I, you're, I probably you need never that. dry out. I think I need that because right now I'm sick of the sun. Fuck the sun. Ah, it's because you live in a place that has great weather. Yeah. California, that's the number one thing people get spoiled by is that weather. That weather's perfect. That's why everybody moved there initially to do films because they could do movies out there and it was never raining. You never had to like, if you had an outdoor scene and it rained, you were fucked. You have a favorite movie? A favorite one? No. What about a top three? I don't think I do. At least for the week, you know? They well, change. Th- this week right now, it's High Plains Drifter. I watched High Plains Drifter the other day for the first time in years, and I forgot. I've never seen that. I got to check it out. Oh. High Plains Drifter. I think it's from the 1970s. It's one of them Clint Eastwood movies. Oh, I love Clint Eastwood, bro. Clint Eastwood is the type of guy that when I first saw him on on a movie, like an old movie, I was like, whoa, what if he's racist? But even if he was, (laughs) I was like, he's fucking badass. He could be racist all he wants. (sighs) I saw him on like those old westerns shooting Mexicans. I was like, fuck it, bro. Do what you got to do, Clint Uh, Eastwood. What is it called again? High Plains Drifter. I'll write that. It's actually like a ghost. put the cigar in my mouth as I write so I can feel like I'm writing like big numbers. It's a ghost story. It's about a dude who gets a uh, spoiler alert. It's a movie from the 70s, right? When, what year was that movie? 73. 73? It's about a guy who gets whipped to death. He's the sheriff in this town. And he gets whipped to death. And uh, he comes back. He comes back and kills everybody. He comes back as Clint Eastwood. Oh, shit. And they don't, they don't recognize that it's him because he looks totally different. Kind of like Chucky. But he appears out of nowhere in the beginning of the movie. It's like this fucking heat. You know those uh, heat waves that you see when you look on a highway? It's like a, it looks like a mirage. Yeah. So this heat wave, he just appears out of nowhere, and this heat wave rides into town, fucks the whole town up, kills everybody, and then rides back out the same way and disappears. Goes back to hell or heaven? Goes back Who to knows? hell. He, he painted the whole town red. Hell yeah. Yeah. It was a, it's a wild movie, but it's also a wild movie because it's a time capsule. Like, you have to look at old movies and imagine you're living in 1973. You Bro. can't look at an old movie from 2020 and think from a 2023 perspective. 1970s movies are some of the best films. And I feel like if it's a good movie, I will just kind of get captured in it. Mm-hmm. And when I do go out and about again, I'm just like, oh, shit, what the fuck? There's uh, some great movies. I like, uh, I don't I don't know, there's like a point to this movie or what's this? Like is, the, this is oh, High Plains Drifter. This. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> He's a man with no name. Ah, I fucking love that. It's a great movie. I wish man. I couldn't even get introduced on stage. I wish I could just walk on stage. He just... kills everybody, bro. And they don't understand it. It's a wild movie. Look at that guy. He's like, why are you killing us? But it's a wild movie because it's a movie from 1973. Like, that's the whole thing about it. It's like, you got to put yourself. In 1973 to really enjoy it. This might be me being too picky with movies, but it is kind of tough to watch like a Western movie these days in such high definition. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a little weird, man. I love I love movies from the 70s. I really like um, like Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like that's that movie, Saturday movie. Night Fever. Oh, man. That's a great movie. It's a, little, it's a little too intense when like John Travolta's character is just like... What is that? What is her name? That that girl that ends up getting like kind of raped by those dudes. Not kind of. Like she got raped. Yeah. Or and I forget her name. And he's all like, "You see, is that what you wanted?" I'm like, "Oh shit, bro! She just got raped. Like, come for her or something." And then and then his friend falls off the bridge. Yeah. And all the attention goes to that. I'm like, "Hey, they just raped that chick." Yeah. So that part of the movie is a little like off to me, but I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what. It's what... a depressing movie. Yeah. 
But There's the beginning is dope as fuck. Yeah. Well, it's dope as fuck because you're also realizing that those people are doing the exact same thing that people are trying to do at the club, sitting on that platform. They're trying to show out, and they're trying to show out by dancing. I'm just intrigued by club culture in general, man. Maybe that's why I like that movie so much, because that whole that guy's whole thing is like just showing up and dancing better than anybody. Yeah, yeah. Being the man at the Being club. Being the man. Yeah. When you saw him dance, like, oh my god, look at him go. Yeah. And you know what though? When I <laughs> the part that really made me feel like look at him go is the the beginning of that movie. He's just like walking, yeah. and then he gets two pizzas and folds them together. Then yeah. he sees a shirt. He's like, I'm gonna put that shirt on layaway. I'm gonna come back for it. I'll yeah. be like, hell yeah, that's, that's life right one. there. Give me some, give me Look some volume. This is the life, Joe Rogan. Smoking a cigar, watching him. 70s movies. Look how good he looks. When he walks, he's dancing. I mean, that dude is dancing when he walks. Look at him. He's like, hey, hey, girl. Ah, never mind. Hell yeah, that's life, you know? What a great song, too. Oh, yeah. Because that song is really, that song is what the movie's all about. I mean, they're just trying to, look how handsome he was back then. God damn, John Two pizzas. Two slices at the same time. Got the little gold chain. That's what inspired me to get the gold chain of John Travolta, Mm. you know? Little pizzazz, little flash. This is a great movie. But it also gave me a lot of anxiety. What year was that movie? Seventy-seven. I'm guessing. I feel like it's. Are you guessing? Seventy-seven. Uh, yeah. You ever hear I the remember, story? Oh, sorry. What are you? Gonna say? No, I was. I was ten years old when that movie came out, and I remember getting anxiety about being an adult. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember they didn't know what the fuck they were doing with their life. They're oh just yeah. Just dancing. Everybody's falling apart, and people <clears throat> are dying. I like, feel like all all life is is people just going with it. Yeah. Nobody really knows, you know. They but, also didn't have any fucking avenues. Like, where do you go? What do you do? Oh, I heard. Uh, I heard Hon- Honduras. Honduras. There's no like addresses. I could be wrong. Maybe they have them by now, but they don't have addresses. They don't have like. Uh, How do you get mail? You so, so the mailman just knows where you live. <laughs> you think I'm making this up? I like. I is that like one town in Honduras or the whole country? That I, seems... I think it's a lot of towns. I could be wrong. I could, but here's like from the stories I've heard. So my my son, I have a four year old son, right? His mom is half Honduran. His mom, though, has never met her biological father. But my son's grandma, you know, obviously knows who this guy is. She would tell me these stories. This cool lady, man. She was telling me how, like, when she was, I think she was pregnant. Or when her, when my son's mom was a baby. She went to Honduras because her baby daddy had gotten deported. Whoa. Yeah. And she didn't Guy's have Guy's Republican now. No, I'm kidding. He's uh, Republican. No, I don't know. But she went to Honduras to, like... I guess be with the guy or at least look for the guy. I don't know. And she says it's like crazy dangerous. It's like the majority of the people walking around with machetes. Whoa. Um, and I could be getting, I could be mixing it up because I've also <laughs> heard stories about Salvadorians. I just but, found a story that confirms sort of what you just said. Yeah? Really? What does it say? Someone on TripAdvisor just says, I'm trying to find uh, help for my husband to get his U.S. visa. Needs his mom's street address in Choluteca. And then someone responds and says, very few streets have formal names. It's common to see addresses such as X neighborhood, Red House behind the church, Whoa. or across from the yeah. Spurrow. Whoa. So if you know the name or look, someone can help you. You got to be a school. skilled fucking mailman. Right. When do you think they first, like when they first started making towns, 
When was the first dude to say, this is uh, Mike's Lane? It had, to be, it had to be a fucking fed up mailman. Uh, it had to be a mailman who just who was like, I got to get in charge of this town to fucking figure out these problems. Right. What would they do before a mailman? Before there was the mail. Memory. No, they had to get letters to each other somehow. I mean, I know they just use ravens. Oh, that's pretty cool. Send a raven. It's Game of Thrones, you know? Life, get, life has gotten way too comfortable these days, man. We need to go back to, like, where you had to learn to communicate with ravens. Wolves in the street. Wolves in the street. Mushrooms in religion. <laughs> Mushrooms in the church. Wolves in the street. <laughs> that's my next fucking special right there. <laughs> not a bad thought, but a lot of people are going to die. I think we peaked somewhere in the 90s. I think that was enough technology. Technology-wise? Yeah. Like, that was enough comfort. Things were easy enough, you know? We could call people, you know. FaceTime? <sighs> yeah, but the internet is the most important thing that's ever happened to people. Ancient Egypt started mail system. Oh, wow. Ancient Egypt? Wow. 2400 BCE. When pharaohs used couriers to send out decrees throughout the territory of the state, the earliest surviving piece of mail is also Egyptian, which dates back to 255 BCE, recovered from the boy. Try saying that word. I bet when they did invent Try saying streets, that word. They were, wait, which Try word? Try saying that word. Oxrehynchus? Hynchus? Oxrehynchus. Oxrehynchus. Oxrehynchus? What do you think, Jamie? I think the second one he said was probably the best if you click on it does it tell you how to say it oxrinicus oxrin oxrinicus oxrinicus oxrinchus it might be some weird way of saying it you know is it like a, a google for the word okay let's see if you can see how to say it how do you say it <laughs> does it tell you oxyrinkus 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 okay. it's greek interesting Oxyrhynchus. Yeah, taxes, though, I think it's the... Oh, wow. You think you could impress, like, a scholar-type girl with that word? Nope. <laughs> hey, baby, Oxyrhynchus. You, you don't want to impress... Anybody that's impressed by big words, you don't want to impress them. Yeah, They're impressed. so stupid. They're impressed by big words. <laughs> I, I have heard, too, that, like, the... I guess, like, the most intelligent people, the most polite way of communication, the most intelligent way of communication is just making sure they understand what you're saying. So if you say it in the simplest words, that's technically the, the more intelligent route, the more polite route. Right. Because you know sometimes people are fucking with you where they're using words that you know are not common words. Yeah. And you have to go. I, I always ask, what does that mean? Yeah. You got to ask what that means. Oh, you don't for know sure. what it means. Because some people pretend, oh, yeah, I know what that means. It's like the club shit. They're showing off the Rolex, but, they're, yeah. but they don't have a Rolex. They're showing off the big word. And you ever like, see uh, Dennis Miller's act? Mm-mm. Dennis Miller was a killer back in the day. And Dennis Miller, like his part of his comedy that was very different from any, anybody else's comedy is really obscure references to like, you know, ancient literature and fucking early rulers and like obscure, like people were laughing. They didn't even know what the fuck they were laughing at. Like it was like weird references. <laughs> like like that you had to be very fucking smart and well-read to know. I don't even know if he knew them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that was part of the style. I like that. Like he was fucking... a, a smooth, intelligent guy that was talking down to you. That's pretty, I mean... But it was funny. It was funny material. It was yeah. good shit. If you got them, you got to flex them sometimes, you know? I guess, but it becomes a thing, right? That that's what you're doing. And then that takes people out of, like, that it's never really you. You're doing this thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think I know. Which is okay, too. 
Like, it's all okay. Like, Carrot Top's great. Pull out props. Is, is it funny? Yeah. Great. It's great. But it's it's very different. Yeah. Very different than Mitch Hedberg. It's very different than Richard Pryor. Like, it's all great. So it's, it's all, but it's everybody's got their own way that they want to do it. And that's one of the cool things about comedy is, like, you can't tell. You can kind of give your friends advice. You could say, hey, man, like, maybe you should slow your words down so people can understand you. But everybody does it different. Everybody does it different. Everybody does it. You got to find out how you do it. It's got to somehow or another match your personality for real. It's got to be the most, the best way you can do it. And for some people, it's a character. Some people, they create a character and they go on stage with it. And that's great too. It's like, what, is, what do they call it? Finding your voice? Yeah. Well, Dice. Dice became Dice. Dice was Andrew Silverstein. And his stand-up in the early days, he used to do a Travolta impression. It was amazing. He had an amazing Travolta impression. He's an incredible, like, uh, impersonator. He does amazing impressions, but he just never does them. And then he would do this character called the Dice Man. And this character was the funniest part of his act. It was so funny. And that's when he'd do all those rhymes and shit. And this guy would be this fucking wild dude from Brooklyn. And then he just became Dice. I, then, I, I saw him perform live at Hyenas. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. Yeah, Dice is awesome. I was I was a fan of Dice when I was 19 years old. So for me to be friends with him now just trips me out all the time. Whenever I'm around him, Badass. it trips me out. I was, I, was, it was, I was 19 years old, and I was parked in a car in front of my house with this girl I was dating. And we were just listening to, I had a cassette player in my car, and we were listening to Dice. And we were both howling laughing, <laughs> just howling laughing. Back then, like a lot of the comedy that I would listen to, I'd listen to girl with girls I was dating. You know, it was a fun thing to do. Like, hey, you want to listen to some comedy? And we'd sit down there. And back then, you there was no internet, man. You had to put a fucking record on, and you'd listen to an old Richard Pryor album. You know, and me listening to Dice with this girl, like, just how I never even thought about doing comedy at that point. That was just fun. It, it was yeah. just to me, it was just like this is hilarious. And so now I'm friends with them. It's so weird. That's a badass feeling, though. It's crazy. I get a text message from Dice every now and again. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's Dice Clay. Hell yeah, it's wild. I I, I feel that. I think that's especially when you're young, like if you're 19 years old, you're a fan of someone, and then as a grown man, you're you're their friend. It's odd. I'm a big um, I'm a big Mark Norman fan. I love Mark Norman. I always watch his clips. I, I like just huge fan. And then um. I got to like open for a meet him. He was like super cool as fuck. You know what I mean? Just hung out, whatever. We got to do Bert's like tour. He helped me write a bit. Like the shit was like unreal. I was like, holy shit. Like I was just watching this dude. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. Now you're friends with him. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's cool. When we're, when right now, I just remembered when we were watching that John Travolta stuff and you said he did an impression. Um, I don't know. I got heard this story. I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard that. Um, when John Travolta was like blowing up, right, right after like Saturday Night Fever, right, um, I heard that Freddie Prince like ran into his apartment with like a crossbow or something. You ever hear that? Freddie Prince pulled a gun, somebody, or maybe it was a gun. Maybe I just imagined it was a crossbow. Actor Freddie Prince says, uh, actor Jimmy Walker says, Freddie Prince once tried to kill John Travolta. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Badass. <laughs> oh you got to do what you got to do. It was do. a crossbow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, see. my God. Oh, my God. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. You got to pull a crossbow on people. So he talked about it during the comedy show, uh, the Comedy Store documentary series. Walker claims that Prince called him one day and announced, we got to kill John Travolta. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> he says, I'm going to kill this guy. I'm the biggest star on TV, the Good Times star, 73 recalled. I said, well, a lot of people are on TV. I'm on TV. Walker said, Prince shot back. You're not bigger than me, man. I'm the biggest guy. I'm the best guy. Everybody knows me. I'm the funniest guy. Oh, my God. He was crazy. Man, when I started going up at Hyenas, some of the people that would work there would be like, you remind me of Freddie Prince. So he fired three arrows into John Travolta's door. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. That's what John Travolta said when it was happening. He said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's crazy. He shot himself when he was 22 years old, man. Freddie Prince? Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't yeah. know that. I, I knew well, I knew it. I was a kid back then, but my grandfather used to love that show, uh, Chico and the Man. He was on there. Yeah, yeah. That was his show. That was a show that blew him up. Bro, he blew up on television. He was like 20 years old. He I was love 20 his years clips. old. He had a sitcom. There, uh, you can find his clips on YouTube. I like. I, I love watching comic. his. Yeah, he was yeah. a good comic. What was his, uh, What? how old was he in um, when he did Chico and the Man? My grandfather loved Sanford and Sons, Chico and the Man, and uh, the and uh, um, uh, All in the Family. Freddie Prince didn't show. look twenty two though; he looked older. I feel like back then people just looked older quicker. <laughs> they he died, died he younger twenty two. He did it. That was his third season, so he would have started at nineteen. There. Holy wow. shit, bro! Wow. People used to age faster for sure. Oh yeah, you ever seen that thing when they show like pictures of like Archie Bunker and Edith Bunker, and you find out how old they really were? Mm -mm. Yeah, he does not look like twenty two. That looks like a 35-year-old man. Yeah. Right? At least now now I feel like Anne Hathaway, She's I don't know how old she is, but she looks 19. Yeah, some of those ladies are keeping it together now. Yeah. Even, even the guys. I know there's all those conspiracies. They're like the children's baby blood, blood, Illuminati. Blood. I put checkerboard flooring on the floor of my special, and people keep thinking like Freemason. They're oh, like, they got them. Oh, my God. I just like checkerboard you. flooring. Bro, I went to a, a satanic wedding. With Duncan Trussell. <laughs> Duncan Trussell, he has this character called Little Hobo. And Little Hobo is a puppet, and he brings Little Hobo out, and he tells everybody that, you know, his grandfather just died, and he left behind this puppet. And he's fucking, this is a satanic puppet. It's, a, it's one of the funniest bits I've ever seen in my life. It's an amazing bit. So he does this 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 guy who is like uh, Anton LaVey's uh, grandson, I think. They're Satanists. And so they hired Duncan to do uh, this routine at a satanic wedding. I go to the satanic wedding, and I take a picture with this dude. And to this day, people think I'm a Satanist now. Because <laughs> I was like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, I was like, this is so ridiculous. They're just silly people. I mean, I don't know if they're doing, like, real satanic shit when we're not around. Yeah. But, like, dude, I was like, I expected it to be, like, I wanted to just experience it. Yeah. So we went, we got barbecued. We were off the rails. We were in another dimension. <laughs> we were looking at life through like a, a, a watered covered shower door. Like it was like, everything was very strange. And so to me watching Duncan do this little hobo routine in front of all these fucking Satanists, it was just wild. But it was hilarious. It was a fun time. But they were just like... I don't know what their thing is. Duncan says they're just hedonists. They don't follow any rules, and that's what they think of as Satanism. But, you know, maybe they do some creepy shit. Like I bet, I bet you even in the religion of worshiping Satan, there's, like, different forms of it. Like, I I'm bet sure. you, I bet you even they're just like, you're not doing it, right? This is how you do it. Right. They, there's probably, like, hardcore Satanists who yeah. really are out there murdering homeless folks. And then there's other people that are like, you know, we just like dressing up like devils and yeah. I remember uh, seeing some on. shit like on TV one time where they're like, there's rules to it, like oh. to a certain like they're like 
if you if you're a Satanist, Satanist, there's like their own Ten Commandments. Like you're not supposed to kill animals unless it's like necessary for food. Oh really? Yeah, like never harm like children or women or some shit. Like they have like rules mm. that even the devil's like, all right, bro, this is even too far. Uh, I don't know. We'll find out when we get to hell. What was who was the guy that uh, stumbled upon that uh, Satanist place in the middle of the woods? Remember, there's that one dude that we had on, and there was a there's this guy who used to work for NASA. Who was a, a real Satanist, like in the Church of Satan, and this abandoned place where this guy used to do his research at? Someone went to visit it. Who was it? But this guy, like, Python. Was it Python Cowboy? Cowboy yeah. yeah. But, but like, what Cowboy. time frame is this that he works at NASA? Like, did he help? Did it was he like help 19, us get to the moon? Nineteen sixties, nineteen fifties, or nineteen sixties? I think the fifties. So it was in the nineteen. 19- yeah. Let's go back and find out. I think it's crazy if this is one of the guys that helped us get to the moon. Like, but, bro, this guy used to wear, like, the outfits and everything. Like, yeah. there's photos of him, like, at a real Satanist like, church. horns and, like, some nerdy glasses. He was, like, an open Satanist. Like, you could kind of be an open Satanist and still be a rocket scientist in the 1960s. They hadn't figured out that that was kind of fucked up yet. <laughs> <laughs> was, there was a lot of shit that they hadn't figured out by then. Well, you know, the, the rocket scientists that we got, most of them came from Nazi Germany. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. There's a thing called Operation Paperclip. In Operation Paperclip, the United States acquired all of Germany's rocket scientists, including Werner von Braun. Who, so who's this cat? Jack Parsons. Jack Parsons. It says his father, John Parsons. So go on that photo there. That's him dressed up in the, all the Satanist shit. The, he looks the like... Lower, look, at, look at that. He looks like Iron Man's dad in the Bro. movies, in the Avengers movies. This guy used to fucking dress up. Click on that link, because that's the story. What's this one? Hold on. <laughs> look at this fucking outfit. This guy... Imagine this guy's a rocketry pioneer. That's crazy. From you rocketry know so pioneer much. to deviant occultist, Jack Parsons was the ultimate mad scientist. So this motherfucker was like a real rocket scientist and also a Satanist. That's nuts, man. Crazy. How do you have all this knowledge? Scroll back down You're such again? an intelligent, yeah, smart person. I a good memory. And then you dress so goofy. Me? No, him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, this guy. Well, is... he dresses normal unless he's doing the Satanist thing. But that's so, what I'm saying, though. Like, you know how to fucking, you know, rock, you, you're, you're a literal rocket scientist. You know about rockets. And then in your free time, you're like, let me put out this goofy-ass getup. Yeah, so the 1930s, when the Suicide Squad began conducting their explosive experiments, rocket science belonged largely to the realm of science fiction. Oh, wow. So this guy, so they were thinking it was all horseshit. It was mostly science fiction. This guy was like a legit rocket scientist who's also a Satanist. So this guy's place, this Python cowboy dude, went to this guy's place, and he said there's like blood splatter on the walls. There was like a chair that had like this red puddle underneath it. He was like, it creeped him the fuck out, and he ran out of there. This is it. That guy went to his yeah. place? Well, he went to the fa- space yeah. rocket facility, and people were... He said there was all sorts of stuff on the wall. Yeah, he said there's like, look, uh, they got these people spray painted upside down crosses on the rocks and shit. I, I know he had video footage of, but he said it's really creepy. So this is him when he like he's stumbling upon like they got Latin written on the walls and it's weird. So a lot of these places, I guess, these 
Satanists had come in and they're doing like their little rituals in this place, little psychos. Earlier when I said that we like went too far with technology, I'm starting to take it back. Take it back. Now I feel like, hey man, kill some time on Netflix or Instagram. Like, don't go spray paint upside down crosses and stuff. You got, yeah, don't be sacrificing people in the woods. Go get Disney Plus or something. Yeah, get Paramount Plus. Yeah, go watch the new South Park one, the Pandaverse. Hell yeah, <laughs> you don't have to. But you know, there's always been people that are like doing secret things on the fringe. You know, there's always been people like that that are doing like forbidden secret things in society. Yeah, little little penis people. Lot. That has to be what it is, you know. You got you got to find something to like obsess about. You got to like distract people from your real issue sometimes. I think there's also like people that are in these like elite circles of like world leaders and shit like that. I think they probably like to do the creepiest, most deranged shit secretly. You know, like they have these little secret societies together. For sure. I think I think it's so always too. been the case. There's gotta be some weird shit going on. Always. Too much time and money on your hands can lead to some like how how do I achieve the next level of being elite? You know what I mean? There right. was this um guy in so like when I used to go work at my dad's body shop, we stop at this gas station sometimes and that area was a lot of like it's like a hood area that would neighbor like the mansion area. So there's like a lot of rich folk around there too. And sometimes, man, there'd be people doing weird shit. There was a guy, this little memory still goes through my head. Not like elite weird shit, but just weird. Like there was a guy who would hold like his paintings, like from his house. He had like really nice paintings. He'd park. He'd ha he had like an old school, I don't remember what he drove. So it was fucking expensive. I just remember this guy's like rich. I mean, he'd hold like these fucking paintings and just stand on the street like a homeless man. And it's just fucking. Just want everybody to see his painting. Yeah, he's just nuts. He just, it's just fucking rich, mm. crazy guy with way too much time on his hands. And when I saw that, I was like, bro, like, once you reach a level of money, like, you probably just do crazy shit just for the fuck out, just for, just because you can. You know what I mean? Especially if all you do is make money. Like that's what those dominatrix ladies always say. That their clients are always these guys who are like these CEOs of mega corporations and they just want to get pissed on and yelled yeah. at and slapped. It's fucking nuts. Yeah, they want to get tied up and thrown in the corner. Shut the fuck up. And they come over and kick them in the balls. <laughs> they want that. Bro, did you, uh, you ever seen that movie? I mean, it's like they made the movie about the movie The Room. Yeah. <laughs> that was like Tommy Wiseau mm -hmm. or what's his name? I don't remember his name. I, I, I was messing it up. But there's that scene in the movie that made fun of the movie where like Joe Rogan's character, like right. the director goes to the bank and he's right. like, I want to cash this check. And they're like, all right, yeah. And he's like, holy shit, it worked. And the, the bank teller's telling him, he's just like, this guy's bank account. It's like a bottomless pit. That amount of money has to be kind of scary though. Cause you either go make shitty movies with your money, then you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Like that guy, which is funny. Or you probably also do scary shit. Like that's a scary amount of money to have. So I know I know people who like you know struggle financially. Probably like, oh man, if I, if I could just have this money, if I could just have that money. Like yeah, life would be easier. But if there's no challenge, if there's no maze to run through, what are you really gonna do with that much free time? I'll tell you what you're gonna do. You're gonna get in a homemade submarine and die in the ocean. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like yeah, people those dudes. <laughs> that's exactly what that was like. That was two hundred fifty thousand dollars a ticket to get in that submarine. And die. Why? And the submarine had no windows, right? Well, it had like little small windows. You don't really see, you're seeing things through a screen. 
They call me old school, but I feel like if I spent two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on the ticket, I want like a luxurious experience. I want to see the fucking ocean, yeah. not through a tiny little Clearly. screen. I want communication with mm -hmm. the outside world. Like I don't know. I am. I, I do want to get rich. Don't get me wrong. I do want to get rich because I feel like pretty soon, there. You know. What are you gonna buy? I what kind want, of car are you gonna get? I, I mean, I'm not too worried about all that. I really want to save on, money. You like to like painting. Don't you want a dope I want to go to the moon. Oh, you're one of those dudes. Yeah. Elon Musk is probably going to offer rides soon, you know, 250 bucks, 250000 a ticket. I um, think you could already get into space for that amount of cheddar. Yeah? Yeah, I think you can get into space for like 250 I want to go to space. Like the Blue Origin. Don't they fly people into space? Bro, you want to wait a few years. Yeah? No, yeah. I definitely want them to get the kinks yeah, out. You know what I mean? Get the kinks out. Work out the glitches you don't and wanna, shit. You don't want to die in a fiery ball of hell. Yeah. Crashed into the ocean. Burning alive. Not yet. Uh, Blue Origin. For suborbital flights, Blue Origin typically charges around $200,000 to $300,000 per person. The cost includes a one-hour flight and a three-hour preparation program. For those looking to go into orbit, Blue Orbit Origin's orbital launch services range from $50 million to $100 million per person. That's a, Yo. That's a big difference. That <laughs> is a giant difference. All right. Suborbital... Is that good? You go up for, I think they send you up for about a minute or two, and then you just float back down. Hmm. Back down. How far do you go? What's the height? What's suborbital? Suborbital means you're not going out technically of the range where you need to go. You're going very, very high. That's like where they sent William Shatner to it. Is that where they send the guy? Remember the guy who sky dove from oh, the outer that layer? wild motherfucker. For yeah. Red Bull or whatever? Yeah, that's my friend. Yeah? That's Andy Stump. Man. If yeah, I, he's a I'll, psychopath. Was I'll, it Andy that did it? No, no, no. no that was like, that's uh, a different guy. Yeah, yeah. Andy did, but Andy did something similar. He was on yeah. a fucking plane. So they're suborbital right here. Okay, this is suborbital. So they're still floating. So they're above Earth. They get to look down. They're weightless. Like a William Shatner. He's like, I'm too old for this but shit. But you don't, you don't get way up there where you're looking down on the ball. I don't even think that's fun right there because are you even, it's like, I feel like the Earth is so bright you can't even see the stars and shit. You definitely probably won't see a star. There. No, you don't see the stars. That's not worth it. I'm not doing that. But I think to see the stars, you gotta go. Way I don't. Yeah, I don't know that they're even there. seeing them in the spaceship. You gotta Maybe go way the fuck do. up there. I want to go into like the abyss. You probably do when you're on the dark side, don't you think, Jamie? Yeah, but how many? No one's been there for a long time. Right, but you, you go over there for a whiz, right? You're like, it's real fast. You're going like seventeen thousand miles an hour, right? Isn't that the space station? Yeah, I honestly, I mean, we'd have to, I could look, we have to look into this. I think the only star you could probably see is the sun. Huh. Well, it's gonna have when to you're be, on the other side, the dark side? This is changing my financial plans. I don't plans. know. You got to get $100 million bucks, bro. You got to go way up. I wonder how much it costs for them to send me to like a wormhole or a black hole. Well, you don't want to do that. Nah, nah, nah. If, um, I, if I'm like. Imagine it come, you come back and you're in the Mongol days. You're like, motherfucker. What is the Mongol days? Like when Genghis Khan ruled the earth and killed 10% oh, like of the population. That would suck. It sucked to, I don't know. I'd hope not even to come back, though. I'd just go somewhere else. Maybe there's like another planet, another universe. Another dimension. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Remember when Bradley Cooper went through it and then he came back and earth was like saved, but they're like living in these like cylinder fourth dimension things or something like that? Huh. Was it Interstellar? You see Interstellar? Oh, that wasn't Bradley Cooper. That was Matthew McConaughey, right? Matthew McConaughey. I yeah, always get his name mixed up. I was confused. <laughs> yeah. Bradley Cooper will get his chance too, but yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, that was I, a great movie. Bro, even he got back in the ship and was like, nah, I'm out. So yeah. Okay, during spacewalks in Earth's shadow, astronauts can see stars once their eyes adjust to the darkness. 
holy shit, your eyes have to adjust to the darkness of space. Right. But that's spacewalks in Earth's shadow. I don't think that's the same. They don't go okay. behind the moon, though. They space station, habitable artificial satellite in low Earth orbit that serves the space environment. That okay. ship, that trip I've told you about a few times that uh, Steve Aoki's supposed to go on. It's supposed to be like one of the first manned trips back around the moon since. Steve Aoki, don't die on the moon. <laughs> Bro, I've Steve said Aoki. this to him before. Let me say it again. Don't do it, buddy. That guy is fucking badass. He's badass. He's a cool dude, too. First you know a lot of cool flight, people. I guess, to the moon. He's very cool. But I don't on think crew that... for first mission to the moon. Steve, you want to be on the 100th mission. But by the way, I think they did 100 of those submarine dives before that one exploded. Oh, shit. I think they did a bunch of them. Damn. It wasn't like they were the first people. They probably go, oh, you got the kinks worked out. I'll try this bitch out. <laughs> I've done it a hundred times. What and could go fucked wrong? Fucked up. Even car accidents happen every day. Well, if you send the same thing down there a hundred times, you also got to think, like, how many times can it go before it caves in? Have you guys pressure tested that motherfucker at 30,000 feet below the earth? That's, that is another wherever, fucking, However deep you're going. Such a scary thing about the sea is the fucking pressure. <sighs> If you come up too fast, you could like get sick, right? You gotta yeah, get like incubated. Get the yeah, Fuck. yeah, you other, can get fucked up. Are there other things like that submarine trip available that we just don't know about? I'm sure there are. I'm sure that's not the only one, right? I bet the Russians will take you down. <laughs> Remember that mo that movie where the Russians, the, the Odessa Files? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Is that what it's called? Uh, oh, the, the documentary. The documentary. The Odessa. What was that called? Um, but there was a documentary where this dude they offered to sell him a fucking submarine. This drug dealer, Operation Odessa. Just, Operation Odessa. This he goes, do you want nukes too? He's like, what? What the fuck? Nukes? They offered to sell him nukes. They offered to sell him nukes. That's they offered to sell him a submarine. That's true freedom, I guess. You know. Well, I think if you got that drug dealer money, this guy. Yeah, Operation Odessa. Click on that. Who made that documentary? I should have sold drugs. Tiller Russell. That's right. Tiller Russell, who was a guest on the podcast and told us all about this. This is a, a wild dude who's a real guy. A Russian mobster in Miami sold a Soviet submarine to Colombian coke smugglers. Nice. Seven years ago, uh, filmmaker Tiller Russell uh, was preparing to meet the former Russian mobster at the center of Miami's craziest true crime, crime, true crime caper of the 90s. And he was hoping, or more like praying, a guard at the prison deep in a Panamanian jungle wouldn't screw him over. Yeah, it's an amazing story. The documentary is incredible, but it's it's all true. Like they really, they back then after the collapse of the Soviet Union, they're like, "What do you want? You want to buy nuclear bombs? We sell you nuclear bombs." Hold on, I gotta write that down. I gotta fucking check. Yeah, that out. it's guy. a great documentary. Submarine Columbia. He did an amazing job with that film too. It's just like the way it puts it together. You're like, what? But it's all real stories. I think back then, like you could buy shit. You need a tank. Talk to Victor. Victor can get you tank. That's what I like you about want big tank. <laughs> That's what I like about just being here in Texas. I feel like most shit you could buy. Most shit you could buy tigers out here. Yeah, my, one of my uncles had a tiger, but he said it got really expensive to feed it. Oh, I would imagine. He was down in South Texas, also doing some less than legal business, and uh, he said he feed it like a lot of chickens. Yeah, they eat chickens whole. Yeah. But, but that's said, like a snack for a tiger. He was like, after a while, he's like, it got too fucking expensive to keep it. Like, yeah, how many really. chickens you got to feed a tiger in a day? I would imagine like five or six chickens five at or least. Six, maybe, yeah. At least. Also, They're huge. Uh, how much room do you give the tiger to like live, you know? Like, right. That's, that's got to be fucked up. All right. I'm not like make a sure huge, he doesn't get out. Yeah, I'm not like a PETA guy or nothing, but damn, come on, man. Let the tiger like breathe. Like, Yeah. 
you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't have a tiger in a fence. But also, a tiger in the wild is way more dangerous. Like, that's a dangerous thing. Oh, like, yeah. So just let them loose out there. You and ever then see those do? people who, people? like, raise it from, like, mm-hmm. when they're kittens, and mm-hmm. then they just have it in their living room? Yeah. I never trust it. I, I know this is, like, old school, old school way of thinking. And don't get me wrong. Like, I have a dog. I love my dog. I, tr- I treat him right or whatever, you know. But, like, it's just a little old school. But an animal is a fucking animal. It's a fucking animal. I don't care how much you're like, no, he's so friendly and we raise him. I'm like, bro, an animal is a fucking animal. Siegfried and Roy. Look at that, yeah. They they had that tiger forever. Yeah. And then one day the tiger's like, I think I want to bite your neck. There, There's like instinct. I feel like biting your neck. Yeah. I'm tired of just getting fed scraps. Yeah, bro. You I want to bite your fucking neck. I barely, If I barely even trust my dog. I mean, I trust my dog. Not in every situation. Every now and then I look at him like, hey, hey. What kind of dog you got? Uh, so I have two. One is actually my dad's. And I think it's like those like fucking pit bull bullies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Very good dog. Very, very nice. Very gentle, right? But then I also have a Rottweiler that I left back at my grandma's. I couldn't bring him. And he's sketchy. And he, he's a good dog. I, I did so much to train him, right? Like I read up. I asked people like... uh. I can I can leave him in my room all day. He won't bite a thing. He won't piss. Like he'll let me know. I could walk him without a leash. Like he'll stay by my side. If he does get a little jumpy, runs after something, he'll come back. You know. But even him, one day, because because I know I know maybe you might be like, oh well, Rottweilers tend to have like bipolar to them or whatever. Really? They can be bipolar. Yeah, Rottweilers. The uh, bipolar. They can be. Yeah, they can be bipolar. How do they find out? I don't know. I'm not a. I, I didn't look that deep into it. You know what I'm saying? Like, who's the Rottweiler psychologist? As if sit down with Rusty. But even he tried to attack one of uh, one of my sisters once out of nowhere. Oh man! And he's and he's around my sister every day. He's like a year old around this point. He's around my sister every day, and, I, and my dog doesn't bark. He's he's never. I've I've heard him bark twice, but he didn't bark. He growled for two seconds and then jumped. And luckily, I was I was already holding him. He scratched her. He didn't get to bite her or nothing. Jesus Christ! Yeah, but it, like even you kept that, him. Hmm, yeah, but we just stopped letting him around like people. Oh Jesus! Yeah, but I kept. That's them. a dangerous dog. It is. And he's you know, you know Biden's dog bit eleven people. Joe Biden's dog bit eleven people. Joe Biden's dog bit eleven people. Secret Service guys. Yeah, yeah, dude. I'd be like, Pull fuck this job. This fucking dog's biting people. And this is like the second dog that he's had that bites people. Joe Biden's dog bites me. I'm turning Republican. Biden's dog, Commander, involved in more White House biting incidents than previously reported. (laughs) This fucking dog. Secret Services acknowledged 11 reported biting incidents involving its personnel. Sources spoke with CNN said the real number is higher and includes executive resident staff and other White House workers. Those bites have ranged in severity from one known bite requiring hospital treatment to some requiring attention from the White House medical unit to some going unreported and untreated. While the first family works for solutions to the ongoing issue, CNN has learned Commander is not on the White House campus. Yeah, there's a real fucking solution. He's not even it's holding called, them right on the leash. It's called bullets. 
You you developed a dangerous animal that wants to bite people. That's a fucked up dog, man. Take that dog out. That's a fucked up dog. Somebody did something bad to that dog, or that dog was ignored, or not trained, or something went really wrong. Man, that's a working dog. When my dog scratched my sister, he was able to get a little clunk. After that shit, man, I did start to, like, try to research, like, why the fuck do dogs just flip, or what, you know, could there be another reason? Apparently, like, dogs will remember a traumatizing moment for the rest of their lives. Did your know. sister do something to the dog? So now I'm wondering, right, like if her or maybe another kid, maybe on accident, heard it one day <sighs> when trying to paint, like trying to pet it or something, they'll remember that shit. Oh, really? So so if like, if a cat scratched it once, oh. they'll hate cats forever. Or if oh. like, a, you know what I mean? Yeah, dangerous dogs are fucking scary, man. But I, dogs, yeah. I have a golden retriever. He ain't biting nobody. He's, he's, friendly he's dog. the worst dog for like guard dog duty. Yeah. <laughs> the worst. He's, he loves everybody. He's just a bundle of love. That's a dog. You could. You don't have to worry about him around anything except squirrels. He'll fuck. He's That's he's it. a demon to squirrels. I fuck with cats sometimes. I know a lot of people hate cats, but I'm not like a super attentive, loving person all the time, and I feel like dogs kind of need that, or they, they get sad. They definitely do, yeah. I, and I don't have a cat, but... I, if you're going to go on the road, having a dog is rough. Like, you know, yeah. if you're on the road all the time, that dog's going to get ignored on the weekends. Also, I don't like to be that guy who, like, carries around a little dog. I mean, uh, respect to the people that do, but I'm not going to be... So bring I? a little dog with you on the road, like a little chihuahua? Like, no offense to the comics that do, but it's kind of girly. Yeah, but if, you know, your be like, dog truffles? likes it, like uh, Peter Shore, uh, the brother of Polly Shore, he was always bringing his little dog to the comedy store. The dog's adorable. But the, I don't know. I, I'm not going to do it. But then when I do see not every comic, I don't love everybody's dog. You know what I mean? I like dogs. I don't like everybody's dog. But there are <laughs> some comics that I see their dog. I'm like, all right, that's a cool dog. And then there's other comics where they have their dog, and I'm like, that's gay. Ron White had a really cool French bulldog named Mustard. Mustard uh, got taken by a coyote. Oh shit! Yeah, that's fucked up. That's, that's a cool last name too, mustard. Yeah, coyotes are. That's a weird little animal that lives alongside people because it's really a little wolf. It's a little wolf that lives alongside people and eats your pets. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking coyotes! They're creepers. I hope the wolf. I hope the wolves got that coyote. Well, that's why coyotes are so dangerous. Not dangerous, but one of the interesting things about coyotes is coyotes evolved around wolves. But they evolved around gray, and gray wolves kill coyotes. They don't breed with them. The eastern wolves, like red wolves, they breed with coyotes, and you get the koi wolf. It's like a hybrid wolf-coyote. Not in the west. So the western wolves, they just killed coyotes. So when coyotes would lose one of the members, the female coyotes would have more babies. So when they would call out, if one of them was missing, it would send some sort of a biological process into the female coyotes, and they would have more pups. What the fuck? And then they would spread out into Where new you territory. This? Uh, Were you raised on. by wolves? Yeah. I had a man on the podcast named Dan Flores. He wrote an amazing book called Coyote America that I read. Oh. And it's all about the history of the coyote in North America. It's, a, it's in every city. Coyotes are in every city in every state. And they didn't used to be. They used to be confined mostly to the West and the Southwest. But because of human beings, like, moving in and killing coyotes and trying to force them out and then agriculture and all these different things, they just kept spreading out. And now they're everywhere. Damn. Every city. New York City has coyotes in it. For real? For real. Oh, shit. Yeah, we, we show you some photos. I was There's watching- coyotes uh, in Central Park, man. Just I was watching out. that movie, uh, 
Collateral with Tom Cruise. Great fucking movie. And there's like a coyote that goes in the road. Yeah. I remember when I saw that, I was like, oh, I bet that'll happen in Cali because they got like hills and shit. But it, man, now I'm like, that could happen anywhere. Well, the first time I ever saw a coyote was in 94 when I first moved to L.A. And I was staying at this place in Burbank called the Oakwood Gardens. It's a place where you, when you move to a new place, they, they, they rented out pre-furnished apartments. So it already had a couch, already had a bed. You just you bring in your clothes, you're good. It's like a hotel, but you live in it. It's an apartment. And uh, I was pulling up to the place in my rental car, and I saw three little dogs. I was like, what the fuck is that? What are those things? And as I got closer, I'm like, oh, shit, those are coyotes in the middle of Burbank. God damn. Just hanging out in the street. Yeah, that's one on the roof in New York City. Look at that. How the Bro, fuck does it even get there? I don't know. You ever man. see those videos of... Uh, like bears Look at that thing swimming up the on street. the shore in Florida. Oh yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, a lot of bears. I'm Florida. already like you're already trying to watch out for sharks. Now you gotta watch out for bears too. Dude. It's too much. Didn't some lady get killed recently by a bear in Florida? I think some woman got killed by a black bear in Florida. There, that's there are a lot of bears up, in Florida. That's yeah. West, just it's too much. I know it's crazy. Florida's got everything, man. They got alligators, pythons, iguanas, bears. That's like getting killed by a bear at the Mall of America. Like it wasn't supposed to happen there. You know what I mean? Like Bro. how did the fuck did it end up there? Imagine a bear getting into the Mall of America and just running through people. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big oh. mall. But that's Mich- uh, Minneapolis, right? Yeah. Some someone's gonna have a gun. Someone's gonna shoot. How many bullets do you think it's, it it take though to From take a nine millimeter? Bear? Depends on what kind of bear. If it's a grizzly bear, you're fucked. You yeah. need something heavy. You need a forty five or a ten. You can't. A nine millimeters not enough stopping power. You really want like a three hundred Win Mag. You want a rifle. Yeah. You got a bear. You want a large caliber weapon to take that fucking thing out. You do not want a bear wounded that's still running at you and your bullets are going in a couple of inches and it's just ready to fuck you up. You walk around with a gun? You don't have to answer that. I wouldn't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if I was Tells around me everything I a need lot to of know. grizzly bears, I would definitely have a gun. Yeah? Yeah, I know people that go in grizzly country, they don't bring a gun. I'm like, what are you doing? Do you want to die by way of being eaten by a giant wild dog? I think it's crazy that people like go to hikes in places where there's bears. Like, I mean, I get it. You know what I mean? You want to experience... Well, I think if you live in a place like Montana or something like that, it's just a part of the world. The world has grizzly bears in it. You know, they just they coexist with them. You hope you don't run upon a mama and her cubs. That's the scariest thing. Scariest thing is accidentally stumbling upon a mama grizzly bear with her cubs. You ever gone hunting? Yeah, sure. You like it? I love hunting, yeah. I, I've never gone hunting, but one time we were walking through this, like, fucking trail it wasn't even like a trail we we're trying to get to like a river to go fishing mm-hmm. and they were saying that there's like wild hogs out there that come at you Ooh. and i, I kind of like that like i don't know if i if i'd want to like hunt like wait for the animal spotted or whatever i don't mean i don't know how it goes but i kind of like the idea of like well i'd have to fucking kill it if it came at me you know then what i mean then you have to eat it too maybe i don't start know start a campfire i'd die if i try to fucking eat an animal that i kill i'm fucking up somewhere because isn't there like a certain amount of time you have like you got to skin it and make sure this is clean and no yeah. cross-contamination i can't even cook at home bro like <laughs> <laughs> it's not for everybody but the wild pig thing is is a crazy way to get into hunting because you kind of have to kill those they, yeah they breed so often they breed three times a year i would they start breeding them. when they're six months old what the fuck? Six months old, they start pumping out 
little piglets. I'm not one to judge. Uh, I, know a lot of, <laughs> I know a lot of teenage parents. <laughs> yeah, pigs are a scourge. It's it's a crazy animal. And they're everywhere too. In Texas, shit. Uh, fucking, yeah. There's so many of them here. They have to. They hunt them by helicopter. There's like fucking. They're not coyotes, but there's a lot of dogs, man, out out there where I live out in the country and. I had to get used to that when I first moved out there. Wild dogs? Yeah. Or even like- even Just strays running around. There's strays and they're, and the people that own dogs just kind of let them be out. Yeah. And I had to get used to that because I was, I was just living like in a regular fucking neighborhood. And if I wanted to go jog sometimes or some shit, sometimes I just go out and run. One night I just started running and I started getting chased by dogs. Oh there shit. There was a fucking dog just coming at me from-, from the, everybody out there has like a pretty big piece of land. It's like trailer homes and shit. And I just saw it leave the porch and start coming at me. But I was pretty far where I'm like, bro, if I just chop, if I just run as fast as I can, I think I don't think he's going to come that far, you know? And then another dog started coming. I was like, what the fuck? So I just took off. I took off. And I finally got away like far, far. And I had to call my sister to come pick me up. I'm like, I can't <laughs> even jog back. Like, I can't run back, man. The dog's probably waiting for you. Like, that dude's going to come back. He's tired. Yeah, I think they were waiting. Fucking country as dogs well that's what happens to people with uh mountain lions too the mountain lions see them running and they're just like where you going bitch yeah it's like their instincts their instinct in. is to yeah. yeah even i see people Wild running i want to chase Texas them sometimes appear to carry dna of wolf declared extinct oh shit that's a texas dog right there whoa there were i don't i didn't see the what year but there were previously red wolves and gray wolves in texas that are supposedly extinct oh wow and so there might be still wolves in Texas? Yeah, when I was, this other, uh... Is that what they think? It said that there, what kind of dogs are in Texas? There's coyotes and packs of neglected domestic dogs running around. Wow. But there were also... <laughs> I like how they say neglected. So, like, I know they mean, like, nobody's <laughs> taking care of them, but it also just feels like maybe the dog wanted attention. <laughs> <laughs> They've just been neglected. However, Texas was once home to two wolf species, the gray wolf and the red wolf, but sadly, they were hunted to extinction in the Lone Star State. Sadly, if you're not a rancher. If you're a rancher, it's like, good. Yeah. <sighs> Jesus Christ. I have a friend who lives in uh, B.C., like northern B.C., British Columbia, and they, they'll occasionally, a wolf will just like, they'll have like a pack of wolves that like takes out a calf, and they'll hear it in the middle of the night, just horrible sounds of like of wolves that are like ripping apart a cow, and then, you know, other people find out about it, and they have to deal with them. And I ran into a dude once at the airport, and uh, I think I had like a camouflage jacket on or something like that. And he goes, are you a hunter? <laughs> I go, I didn't know what to say because he was like a regular dude. I was like, I hope this isn't an argument. <laughs> you know? I was like, yeah, I was up here moose hunting. And he goes, he goes, uh, we like to wolf hunt up here. He goes, yeah, uh, we got a real problem with wolves. He just starts telling me about wolves. And I go, what do you do? He goes, well, we take like a, um, like a, a garbage pail and we throw scraps of meat in there and then we freeze it. And then we take it, and we'll put that in the middle of a field, and then we hide. And uh, if the wolves get desperate enough, they'll, they'll smell it, and they'll come to that frozen meat, and then you just take them out. I was like, Jesus. Damn. I go, how many do you kill? He goes, you can't even put a dent in the population. Bro, they're, imagine they're that's your life. Imagine you have to make time during the week to go try we'll wolves. to, to yeah. put a dent in this population. Yeah, so you can't even put a dent in the population. He goes, the smart ones never fall for it. Because they, they've, like, been got before. They saw one of their pack get killed before that way. The fucking smart ones don't yeah. fall for it. So smart wolves are wait. smartening up to this shit, too? Oh, they'll wait. They'll wait. And then they'll have the young ones are stupid. And the young, stupid ones will go in there and get shot. The wolves are only going to get smarter. They're only going to get smarter. And eventually these wolves are going to 
figure out how to fuck with your Instagram algorithm and give you bad wolf killing techniques uh, so you're out there getting <laughs> killed by wolves. Yeah, they're gonna do Russian disinformation. <laughs> wolves are gonna give up. Yeah, they're smart, man. They're smart. They're, they're, it's a creepy animal to bring back because for the longest time they were like a really f terrifying thing that we, we had to deal with. People in like Europe, they had to deal with wolves, man. I'm afraid of sharks. I've never seen a shark. But just, just a f I don't want to even want to like. I don't know. Maybe I'd go in that little cage where you can be around the Fuck sharks. That dude, they go right through that cage. They do. Yeah, Jamie just, just sent me something. Just, <laughs> Jamie just sent me one. Yeah, Pull it up. Jamie. Like, I'm intrigued by them, but I'm also scared as fuck because you you watch. can't swim that fast. You, you want know? one of those? You want to watch that from a boat with a shotgun in your hand? Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you, shark. monster. Shark. Fuck you, you fucking swimming I'll have, disposal unit of I'll all have fucking nightmares organisms. about sharks and alligators. Both. I'll have nightmares where you, you ever been in like where the water's kind of like up to your knee and mm -hmm. you can't necessarily run too fast. Like, it's like, it's like that gators uncomfortable. Come out and and there's fucking gators just chasing me and I'm Ooh. running through like the water. I don't know what those dreams mean. That means stay the fuck away from alligators. <laughs> Look at this. Watch this. Go full screen, Jamie. Watch this shit. This motherfucker just goes right through the cage. So the shark swims into the cage and busts through the side of the cage and then comes out the top. Watch this shit. Is there a dude in that cage? That's the part of why I thought oh, I looked at the to the end. You have Bro. to wait for the end. Look at that. Just listen to the people. Was there anybody in there? <laughs> Was there anyone in there? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh answers, my god! Yes, there was. So is the guy dead? No, the guy got out. Yeah, I can't. Oh I, my god! I can't tell if he's bleeding on his side though. I, I tried to check a couple oh times. Oh my god! He seems fine because they're not all reacting extra crazy, and you don't see blood. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> and there's the dude. He's yeah. still in there. Yeah. Holy shit! That dude's staying calm too. I I feel like if I'm that guy and I saw my opening to get out, I would have flown out faster than the shark. Just like a fucking fish oh, out of water. Holy shit. That dude. guy's just calmly ca climbing out. And he's dressed like a seal. There's the shark. It goes right in the side. God, that's a big ass Boom, shark. Boom, it just goes right through the cage. Someone Imagine. flipped the top, thankfully for them. Oh my God. So Look trapped. at him. Yeah, oh he was God. on his toes. Oh my God, that's so scary. And the shark does not want to be in there. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> Fuck that, Ralph. Fuck that, right? I'd wanna, I want. I still want to kind of go in one, but I just want to make sure I go around like some pussy-ass sharks, like some little ones. Like, bro, I don't think I don't think they have any idea what the kind of power those things have. It went right through that bullshit cave. That's like someone building a fence made out of popsicle sticks and telling you to stay out. It's the largest. Did you see that white. guy that was swimming Ooh, near it? Look at the size of that thing. How big is that one? That's the largest. Oh my god! Well, that's a, I think that's a girl. Yeah, yeah it is. She got Ocean a little booty Ramsey. on her. Ocean Ramsey. She's a famous uh, shark diver. Oh shit! On the Instagram. This doesn't say how big it is. It just it's says it's the largest. Enough. Jesus Christ! Look at the, the largest. size of it. With record-breaking largest great white shark. Look Larger how twenty feet small she is compared to that fucking shark. That's so crazy. That's crazy that she's just like holding the oh fin. Oh my god! What are you doing? I guess she knows what she's doing. She's still alive. Jesus Christ! On that you talk about. Look, look at the shark vag. <laughs> show you the vag. Look, get a close up. Look at that thing. Look at that. 
Some people have like a calmness, man. They can go around or they can go around crazy animals and, and they don't make the animal nervous. I don't have that. I, I, I tried to ride a horse once when I was a kid. Fucking horse started going crazy. Everybody thought I was like devil possessed or something. Like, <laughs> Why is this horse so? Because you're probably nervous, right? Yeah. And the horse probably felt it. Like, oh, this motherfucker's on me. He's freaked me out. I'm that guy that if you bring your fucking dog around, my dog's going to bark or some shit. Oh, no. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, Trust me. Not, not my dog. Right. My dog will run right up to you. Hello, you're my new best friend. <laughs> That's a golden retriever, yeah. you said, right? I've never yeah. been around a golden retriever. Oh my god, they're the bundles of love. All right. He loves everybody. Everybody's just love. He just he'll drop on his back like rub my belly. Oh, okay. He doesn't even know you. He he loves everybody. Nah, I, I hang around people. Who he'll just... change your opinion of dogs. All right, I hope so. Yeah, because it's not like a Rottweiler. It's the, the, the total opposite of a Rottweiler. Yeah, everybody I hang around with just has like tough guy dogs. Those dogs could be sketchy. And then they'd be like, nah, he's fine. He's like, Yeah, until fuck. he's not. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, until he bites your sister, right? Yeah. yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Fuck animals. Yeah, fuck animals, right? If there's no. anything we could say to <laughs> end this anything. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love animals. Just some some of them, you have to know what they are. Do you know? Yeah. Nah, you can't I'll... pretend it's a fucking teddy bear. Yeah, I love animals. I'm just not, I'm just not that person that's going to be like fucking... Taking pictures with the snake at the fair. You know what I mean? Not me, bro. Fuck that. Not me. One time the fair had this, like, a large alligator, though. I'll pay money to see that shit. I was in Thailand once, and they let you take photos with, with uh, tigers. But it's sad because there's one way they treat you when you're with the baby tigers. So if you're with the baby, like, you can get in this, like, pen where these little baby tigers are. And they're little tiny tigers. But everybody's like there watching. People are watching everything, making sure nothing gets crazy. Guys have sticks and shit. And then you get to like a little older tigers, and they're a little more sketched out. Then they're like the people will block. You can't take a picture sitting right next to the little tigers. You know, the ones that are like 50, 60 pounds. You yeah. can't do that. And then they get older, and you can take pictures with them because they're drugged up. So you got this uh, tiger that's on heroin, just sitting there like this. And then people are taking selfies with this tiger. But if you watch that tiger, the tiger is doped up, 100% doped up. That's why you can go in there and take pictures with them. And I was like, oh, this is fucked up. Like, this is sad. That is pretty sad. Yeah, it's not like that's a pet tiger that you can trust. No, that tiger's like, I'm sitting there just totally drugged up. Those tigers are going to get smart just like the wolves did one day. And one day they're going to fake the high. Or imagine if you cut the tiger off and they get they start jonesing. Start having fucking withdrawals. Fucking withdrawals. Fucking really crazy. Tiger starts sucking dick for drugs. Whoa. <laughs> imagine a tiger sucking your dick. You're like, please be careful. <laughs> <laughs> please. <laughs> please don't get a flashback. Oh, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ralph. Let's, let's wrap this bitch up. We're going to do All a right. show tonight. Have a good time at the mothership. I'm excited. You going to do bottom of the barrel, too? Yeah, I'll do whatever, man. I'm yeah, down. Yeah, do Bottom of the Barrel, too. It's fun. Bottom of the Barrel is uh, Brian Simpson's show. So you have a whiskey barrel, and the audience will write suggestions for material topics. Oh, uh, yeah, I've seen that. It's great. It's All real right. fun. It's All real right. fun. Ralph, it was a pleasure. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you being here, man. Uh, yeah. And uh, congratulations on everything. It's awesome to see you. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye, everybody.